0: Welcome to episode 48 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast, a podcast that is so Warhammer that we roll miracle dice before we record, coming very handy,
1: (laughs) especially for those re-rolls. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm your host
0: Matt and joining me as always, a guy so deep in the underhive even the Palanite enforcers can't find him, it's Cameron, how you doing mate?
2: I'm on the run from the law. I stole a wolf rat, and they they can't catch me now. <laughs> <laughs> no. You just thought um, you'd record yeah. a
0: podcast just to sort of oh, tell listen, them that? Yeah,
2: exactly. No, look, I'm I'm hidden under um under a heating stack, so it's hot as balls down here. But me me and little Wolfie here, we're gonna just find in that right, Uh You can't see him, but he's rolling over and showing his belly. <laughs> right, <That's> very cute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Give him a tickle. Go on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, it went for my fingers. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, well, wow, here we are. It feels like uh, not long since we last recorded, actually.
2: Mm, uh, yeah, it's flown by. <laughs> yeah, it really
0: has. Um, and obviously, the last time we recorded was our um, uh, second anniversary episode. So if mm. you've not uh, checked that out, where we decided to start a night dueling game called Adeptus Duelum, or Duelum, mm-hmm, Um mm-hmm go check it out. But what are we going to be covering this episode? Well, we'll be going through all the lovely hobby stuff we've been up to, we'll get stuck into all that Warhammer news, and then the rest of the show will be dedicated to going through all the lore from the Sisters of Battle Codex. Very excited Mm -hmm. at last to be covering that one. Uh, Unfortunately, there won't be any discussion topic again, I know that's now the second episode (laughs) in a row, but there's got a lot to talk about. We're not going to yeah, have time. Look,
2: it might look even next episode might not have one. We're not sure yet. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> there's, a lot, co- there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just realized that
0: actually? Yeah, that yeah that may be a third one where we're again covering something big to <laughs> that will leave mm. us with little time. But mm. hey, you know that's how we roll. So, uh, right, okay, uh, before we get stuck into the rest of the show, uh, as always, you can see all the ways you can support us and see us on social media down in the notes of this particular episode in your podcast player of choice. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything else admin-wise to say, keep it nice and short. Um, yeah. Obviously, if you would like to join our amazing Discord server, we're getting new members all the time, which is lovely, uh, come along and join, it's free to to uh, be part of the community and if you do you have the ability then to ask us a question um and then we'll answer it on the episode which we're about to do right now um right this comes from friend of the show mr stephen rhodes and he says and a very appropriate question i think for for this episode uh i have a question for an episode do you think gw will implement female space marines in the future given there's no narrative reason no primaris exist that they cannot happen mm. Mm. okay that old Ooh, contentious subject
2: one. yeah <laughs> this is a very contentious subject i feel i feel my views on this are well known it, at ray what workshop should do i'm not sure what they'll actually do mm. which is interesting to me um Uh, For for those who haven't listened to all our backlogs of episodes, uh, (laughs) hi, welcome to the show. (laughs) I believe there are already female space marines, and Games Workshop is too scared to tell us so. In fact, statistically, we definitely do, because space marines are trained as children, so any trans kids could have gotten picked up. Mm -hmm. They're just walking around, they're too indoctrinated to even know. Right, They're fine, they're living their best life. Also, you couldn't tell anyway unless they... Got completely out of the armor, so who knows? Mm-hmm. There could yeah. be female space marines running around already. Yeah, um, I don't think they will. Yeah, uh, they should. They should because it would be cool and awesome and great. Mm-hmm. I think they will find another alternative. Like there's, there's, there's hints and little whispers of like there's. Um, I forget which book I read uh, that it was. Sometime last year I read a book where it was uh, involving the Space Wolves and the Thousand Suns, Mm -hmm. Um, but a Space Wolf was talking to a Fenrisian woman, and she was like, oh, it's so unfair, none of us can be chosen to join (laughs) Russ's pack, and all that. It's like, yeah, that is unfair, but perhaps there is another way, or something like that. I'm like, oh, maybe that'll lead into something eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, um, I don't think they'll do it, uh, simply because they know there would be a really big backlash from Mm -hmm. a certain section of the fandom Mm -hmm. and they are a company, capital A, capital C. They do a lot of stuff based not just on their creative values, but on risk and stuff like that. So like, um, if, if everyone who wants female space Marines doesn't buy one and everyone who hates female space Marines tells everyone who's ambivalent not to buy them, that kit's not going to sell as well Mm -hmm. as it should. And, Games Workshop is probably looking at that potential scenario and going, it might not be worth it to invest, you know, several tens of thousands of pounds in developing a, a sprue and making the mold for it and, you know, shipping it and stocking it and all that kind of stuff. It might not end up being worth it, whereas they know if they make another another form of Primaris Marine, that'll sell. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not being salty about Primaris Marines. I love them, but yeah. <laughs> they, are, they are very much the flavor of the month mm. every month for the last two years. Um yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's, I don't think they'll do it simply because of the risk. I really hope they do. It'd mm-hmm. be nice. Or, a, but I think they might do, like, like I said, like an alternative. Like we have the Sisters of Battle as power-armored women. Yep. But I think what they will do in terms of more female representation overall is, please, sometime this year, female guardsmen or just new guardsmen kits for different regiments with mixed gender on the sprues, mm-hmm. like they've been doing in Age of Sigma a lot uh, now. I think that's probably the way forward. It's going to be, but they also might create like, I don't know, a sub-faction for space wolves, where it's like the Valkyries or something. That'd be radical. <laughs> yeah, that'd be have, cool. them, have them like yeah. space, yeah. They're space wolf initiates. They can't become full marines, but they are part of the chapter and they fight for Russ and all that. And they just mm-hmm. happen to be Fenrisian woman who could crush you with a single stare because <laughs> they're terrifying ice ladies. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
0: that sounds great. So
2: it sounds really real good. I'd be way into that. <laughs> Screw Scouts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just have a bunch of Finrizzy women with bolters running around. I'd love
0: it. <laughs> I would be so bought into that. I really would. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'd get that yeah. immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny subject, isn't it, really? I know it's a it's quite polarising for a lot of people because, obviously, Primaris itself, let, let alone gender mm. in there, is a very polarising oh, yeah. subject. Um, mm. So, yeah, it, it's a difficult one. I mean, I think my take on it is... Right, well, before we get into that, Primaris, I'm I'm on board with... I'm sort of... I've I'm, mm. I'm always been quite neutral with the Primaris in the sense that I like them. I think there's some really cool stuff. Mm. But if they didn't yeah. exist, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. I'm not sort of yeah. like, no, yeah, exactly. it's ripping up my you know, my nostalgia and stuff because things have to move on. So Mm. I I get why they're there, but Mm. I, you know, I'm very like roll with it when it comes to primaris. Um, Mm. I think with the female space Marines, um, like you, I would love to see them, uh, because I I love it in, like, like you said, especially in like AOS where, you know, a lot of the kids come in with female models, which makes perfect sense because why not, you know, that's the way it should Mm. be and and is realistic. Um, the only caveat I would say with female space Marines is, if they chose not to, not because of the risk, because I, I totally agree with mm. you on that. I think that unfortunately there is a lot of risk from a business perspective that would come with that. But from, mm. if we're talking purely just from a law perspective and head cannon perspective, I think mm. if they said, look, mm. that we're not going to because that's the way it is, I would accept that as well. Cause I, mm. I'm a, I'm a believer in, I'm a believer, massive believer in inequality and things like that. But I think when it comes to things mm. like this, it's down to, like don't do stuff just for the sake of it you see what i mean like if yeah, you you know if yeah. you as a you know from an ip perspective and a, a you know a background perspective saying that no no we've just decided that you know from uh, you know from the way our universe works there there cannot be mm. female space marines i accept that i yeah. don't you know i don't don't put them in mm. just to keep pe- people happy if you see what i mean yeah, yeah uh, right. or, and that I mean, applies to anything to be honest i don't mean yeah, that that's just yeah. an example <laughs> but, but i'd be down yeah, but like, for, but i'd be i'd be down for it as well yeah you see what i mean
2: yeah with with an in-law explanation honestly i can see it going either way because i've seen mm. the very good argument of so few people qualify to be a space marine immediately cutting off half the population before you even start is probably not the best move if you're trying to stock up a chapter <laughs> true yeah. um and so like there, there's that for there's that for an in universe of Oh, once the technology was available, why wouldn't we try and recruit from everyone who's potentially compatible with, you know, the gene seed and all mm. that? Um, but we also live in the Imperium of Man in this fictional universe, which is a hidebound, tradition, patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I can I can see it I can see Belisarius call going, "Ah, the Imperial Fists, why have you not implemented the brand new female human space marines?" <laughs> yeah. And the Imperial Fists go, why would we do that we've never done that yeah. it's done this way yeah we cannot change it our father wrote it yeah. this way, <laughs> <laughs> and that's
0: and, and that's the thing is it that's why i'm i'm without sort of trying to be on the fence i'm quite neutral about mm. it like you said if, you, yeah. if tomorrow they say we've found a law reason like that that you know belisarius calls mm. been playing around female space marines can now be as viable awesome bring yeah. it on but then like mm. i said don't put it in just to please people either if you you know if mm. you from a gw perspective say look we you know this is the way we've written our law you know uh you know and it apply applies to other factions where they've got their own mm. limitations mm. not necessarily to do with gender but you know they can do this they can't do that then that's fine as well yeah. because you you know you yeah you, you should feel confident enough to be able to stick to your guns if you see what i mean uh the mm. you know that don't yeah. don't do everything to please everyone if you say no this is the way it is then yeah cool mm, that's fine yeah, as well yeah. um
2: and i mean at the end of the day if you want female space marines you're just one short step away from having your own female space marines go buy some primaris marines go buy some female stormcast heads from Forge yeah. world and you're good to go yeah that's it that's the only difference you need to make yeah it's <laughs> no, totally. slightly more recognizably female head because yeah it's like 3 inch thick armor it's not yeah. going to show anything <laughs> no exactly yeah
0: that's it there's nothing stopping you and no i'd and mm. like i said maybe i Maybe you will I, do, I? Like you, I don't think they will because of the risk. I think they will keep it as things they are, and I think to be fair, they are using the other factions and especially AOS to mm. sort of, I suppose, test the boundaries because obviously, yeah. you know, you will get different opinions. You will get the people that will totally not agree with it, and you'll be the people mm. that are totally for it, and obviously everything in between that. So it's yeah, tricky. Yeah. It's tricky because of how I mean, established it is as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'd like to challenge uh, preconceived notions, and therefore, I'm stating that in my death army that I theoretically have with eighty skeletons, all those are female skeletons. You just can't tell. No, exactly. Never knew exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's and, fine. It's, I mean, it is uh, what you make of it. Yeah, <laughs> Totally,
0: totally agree, and that's the thing. I mean, and that, and that's something we've always said on this show, and 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 try and put across is it's your hobby at the end of the day. Mm. It can be anything you want. You know, and that's yeah. the thing, if you want female space marines that are, that uh, you know, uh, uh, in uh, an existing chapter, a brand new chapter, mm. you know, yeah. y- you do it, you do it, it's, it's, nothing's stopping you. Show us. Yeah. I want to see. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. And like I said, you're seeing it also in like the Black Library because I think is it it's uh, Mike mm. Brooks. I think I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, Mike Brooks who does some of like the Necromunda books and and some mm-hmm, of the things mm-hmm. he's pushing boundaries in other se- you yes. know things uh, comes to like you know sexuality mm. and and things like that. And yeah, yeah. I mean it, yeah. you know it has its place. And and I suppose mm. to be fair that you know as we know the world is completely changing. You know, you know, and hopefully for the better that people are more liberal, more accepting now, mm. and so mm. Warhammer is no different. But then again, you've got you know it's that balance, isn't it? You 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 know yeah. you want to you, yeah. want, you know you can't be stuck in the past, but then the flip side is you know mm. you don't want to completely overhaul it, and because you you know you need to make it what it was, it, what it's supposed to be, yeah. really. And
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, it's fine. In the end of the day. Hold no hate in your heart for your fellow Imperial citizen. They are just another human among endless trillions. (laughs) Hate the Xenos. Hate those scum. (laughs) Yeah. If a woman wants to be a space Marine, let her try.
0: (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) Um,
2: Damn right. It's it's fine. We're all human at the end of the day in Mm -hmm. this, again, fictional universe. Unless you're an Orc player, in which case, congratulations on having already won. Yeah, You guys have made it as far as civilization goes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, that was a great question though. It is it's uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's always a good like I said it's
0: always a uh, a good one to talk about and Alex I thought it was very appropriate mm. considering we'll be obviously talking about the Adeptus Soratas a bit later. Yes. So cool mm. thank you much Stephen for that very tasty question. Right. Yeah. Talking of tasty stuff, it's time to now get into <laughs> our hobby section. Yes. Yes. And All right. uh Yes, already. Yeah, we're on, we're on it, Cameron. We we're, we're you know we're getting because getting through it because obviously mm. we've got oh, uh, yeah. those sisters Rush. to talk about. <laughs> go go go! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right, yes, time to talk about the hobby. Right, okay, Cameron, you've uh, yes. hopefully been a busy boy over the last couple of weeks. I have um, been. I've, I've been
2: I've uh, been a slightly busy boy. Right, okay, that's
0: cool. Um, yeah, moderately
2: busy. Right, what have you been up to? Mm-hmm. Um, so, first of all, last week I said I picked up a Shadow Seer to paint up for Aaron's birthday. I did that. Um, God, I forgot how hard it is to paint tiny fine detail. <laughs> I've been ruined by knights and by plague marines. Um, whose, plague marines have lots of fine detail, but it's all like decently sized. Mm-hmm. Whereas on this harlequin, I was like, should I try and paint all these individual studs on this person's arm? And I'm like, hmm. Nah, um, <laughs> but I also did like a lot of fine like ornamentation and design on it to fill some of the blank spaces and that was difficult as hell. So I did like um stars and moons and suns on the, the head veil for the shadows here. I did like a vine with roses on one leg and like a little heart on the shoulder armor and stuff like that. And fuck me if that wasn't difficult. Um, <laughs> God, God, I've been spoiled by bigger models, um, <laughs> but I did it uh she loves it which is great good wonderful now we just got to build and paint the rest of her actual harlequins and then we can get back to maybe one day playing kill team together yep. maybe one day possibly um <laughs> so uh keen listeners of the last few episodes will have noticed that I've continually been grappling with a darker aspect of myself which is <laughs> the part of me that desires only the sumps of the city of necromunda um and I've I've given up I've given in um <laughs> so i'm gonna <laughs> i essentially hey we're also minus t minus one week until actual paycheck um Ooh. so when that comes in i'm gonna go and uh i made a cheeky discovery last week out in the city i was one of the local stores still has a copy of necromunda underhive the box mm-hmm. game tucked mm-hmm. away in the secret corner uh and so god i hope that's still there in five days time if it's not <laughs> i'm gonna be very sad um but if it's not, I can just pick up the rule book and a couple of gangs and stuff. I've mm-hmm, just got to find dice and templates. Actually, I think I still have some templates somewhere. But anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I'm going to jump into that. Uh, and like everything else I do in this hobby, I never put a foot in to test the water. I just kind of run headfirst into <laughs> it. Um, and so I've already purchased two models for Necromunda. Uh, one is yet to arrive. One I got today. Um, so first off, I did, some, I did some like basic list crafting, and uh, I'm actually really interested in the Goliaths ever since House of Chains came out, and they had all the really cool-looking stuff, yep. uh, so I want to make some Goliaths. Um, one of the things I wanted to make was a leader, a Forge Tyrant, it's called now, with a heavy bolter, because you can just get those from the start of building your gang now, because... Um, You should kit out your random gangbangers with uh, essentially a tactical marine squad's worth of equipment, apparently, (laughs) is the way to go. Um, But I didn't want just any heavy bolter. I could have just picked... I've got a couple lying around somewhere, and um, the Goliath's kit has like a grenade launcher underslung on one arm. That's really easy to cut away and just glue a bolter in there instead. Uh, But I wanted something stylish. And what is more stylish than Gu- Gunnery Sergeant Stonetooth Harker?
1: <laughs> <of> <laughs> I don't Gattachan know. I regiment. can't think of anything yeah. more stylish God, than that. God,
2: he's so good. Uh, if you haven't seen his model, because he is a niche model, uh, go look him up. He's incredible. Uh, he's also still in metal, apparently, which oh, is right. interesting. Oh, okay. I don't think he's actually in fine cast, so that'll be nice, actually, mm. uh, working with that. Um, but like, he's got a handheld heavy bolter with the ammunition feed like wrapped around his forearm. He looks so good, he's so cool, so I'm going to take that arm with the heavy bolter, slap it on my Tyrant, jiggle the arms around until it fits, essentially, and that'll be a really cool-looking dude. Uh, but then Gunnery Sergeant Stonetooth Harker is also just a really jacked, slightly bigger than normal size human, which means he'll be great as a Goliath Juve. Uh, so I'll kit him out with a wrench and <laughs> a grenade and just say, cool, you cost like 30 points, Go fuck shit up. Um, run around. You don't get armor. I'm not giving you armor. You're not wearing a shirt. You don't get have armor. Um, <laughs> so that'll be fun. Um, and my plan here is to get Necromander Underhive do up the glides and do up the ashes, and hopefully Aaron and I can play a bit as well. But also, apparently there's a few people up in my local store who are getting into Necromunda around the same time too, so maybe I'll play with them some. Nice. Maybe I'll never play at all, and this will just be a personal vanity project where I make my cool little gangs of criminals. <laughs> uh, either way, I'll be happy. Um, but for the Esher, I also wanted to do something special for the leader, and I like the idea of a really high-class lady controlling this Underhive drug gang uh, so I picked up the Jean Steel cult Magus today, uh, really? the the, f- the female plastic one because she's super cool and aesthetically pretty pretty close to the Esherax. She's got the high heels, got the like the, the corset and bodice and everything going on. She just looks like she's wearing like maybe a slightly armored suit. Uh, so that's good because I'm going to give her better armor <laughs> in the list. <laughs> um, and so far, I've basically built up the body without without the hands and without the head because I'm going to put in a head from the Asher kit and put in some hands from the Asher kit, and I think I'm going to go with two swords, because that's cool. And, <laughs> of course,
1: uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> and power, power weapons and Necromunda, I think I'll give her a power sword and a stiletto sword. Power weapons and Necromunda are really strong, actually. Yeah. yeah. You roll a six to hit, they just ignore armor entirely, no matter what, which, mmm, delicious. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Better than AP minus three. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're, they're pretty cool. And then, like... The rest of the Escher, I'll build them pretty standard, but they're all really cool models. Same with all the Goliath ones. So I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. Um, by pretty excited. I mean, I'm really excited for that. <laughs> I can <be> cool. tell. <laughs> oh, oh, I've I've not done a I've not done a ton of small scale kit bashing for ages because like I I painted all my melee plague marines recently, but like I modelled most of them like a year ago. So it's been and let's a while be honest, since I was and working, be honest, on the you've been
0: working on your knights as well.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, they're all big scale stuff, exactly. Oh, sorry, my glasses are steaming up in here, so I'm just gonna put them in that trash pile. <laughs> oh, it literally is <laughs> red in the face. Might also be this plasma vent. I'm right next to. Well, that's... <laughs> 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 oh, I'm sweating like a sweating like a grox. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, and and as part of a uh, part of getting Nick, remember, I've been listening to some cool shows. Um, if you're interested. This is a minor shout out. I listen to Sump City Radio, which is a Necromander necromanda podcast that's sort of half set in universe. So they've got like a bunch of character skit bits, like Cannabella Fritz the Cook, teaching you how to cook stuff and things like that. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a, it's, a, it's a really fun show, actually. um having been having they're long shows as well. They're all like three and a half hours these oh. days. I'm like, oh, plenty of content. <laughs> we yeah, <know> exactly. That. <laughs> yeah, we know that feeling very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so that was that was uh, my my physical hobby is I've ordered one mini, not gotten it yet. It'll come in on Thursday. I've bought one mini and partially assembled it, and I'm planning on buying more minis. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is most of my physical hobby. Um, I did ooh, brain math thing. Um, so as part of my night Rampager, I did an or- order from a guy on Etsy called Tarot Model Maker, which was for. Some miniature scale candles because the idea of the coffin being up there, so there'd be like the candles around it as like an in memoriam thing. uh They arrived, they're really cool. I also got a couple of like flat skull markers that are a couple of inches across. Like, oh, I'll use them as objective markers or something, but now I'm like, oh, I could use them as like a terrain piece or in the hull of a really big knight. Who knows? We'll find out. um But his stuff's really, really cool. And it was more of a test order for. Does this arrive in good condition and quickly? And it does, uh, which is good because a lot of his other stuff is like knee extensions and waist extensions for nights. So I'm looking forward to playing around with those because there's some really cool stuff you can do. And if I get a Dominus Knight, I need to make it taller (laughs) because otherwise it'll be, (laughs) yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see. I might get more Necromunda. Who knows? Um, but yeah, if I, if I get one, I can't just build it standard because it'll look really small next to all these other knights which is my problem. I'm in an arms race with myself. Every knight has to be at least comparable to the last one, so they're just getting taller and taller and bigger and weirder. Um, uh, self-spurred creativity. Oh, okay, I'm gonna have to leave the glasses off. They're just—they're no good. Take them on off the last five minutes. <laughs> oh, that, oh my that, god, that excitement is really—it's Oh, it's awful. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I also managed to get this this year's Black Library celebration little anthology thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't read anything from it yet, but I'm really excited to read some stuff from it. Uh, in particular, the Garden of Mortal Delights is in there, which, according to you, is beautiful. Love it. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, last episode I had picked up Dark Harvest by Josh Mm. Reynolds. I have finished Dark Harvest by Josh Reynolds. It was bloody brilliant. I loved it. Mm. Um, yeah, it it is, it is an Age of Sigmar novel and it is definitely an Age of Sigmar novel, but it feels like the old school Warhammer stuff, like the Warhammer fantasy stuff. Yeah. Like it, it feels like Maybe not quite Brunner the Bounty Hunter, as in, like, it, it's not that lighthearted, hearted <laughs> <not very> <laughs> No. <laughs> and there, there, was, there was some dark shit in Brunner, but it had, like, a feel where it's a little lighter. But, like, um, yeah, it is the old-school... It's creepy. It is the dark side of the realms. Um, It's set in Gairan, the realm of life, but it's, like, out in the sticks. So it's this guy going out to this town in the swamp out in the edge of Gairan that is, like, slowly being flooded over the centuries as the Sylvaneth just keep raising the water levels to try and get the humans to leave uh, (laughs) and stuff like that. Um, And there's, there's cults, there's spies and intrigue and monsters and the possible awakening of a once dead God. It's great. It's all the stuff we like. (laughs) All the stuff we like. Yeah. yeah, It's definitely worth, worth a read if you're a fan of older school Warhammer stuff and, if you want, like, an expansion on what life is like in the realms, here's the dark slice of what life can be like in the realms. Uh, you could be stuck out in this, out in the world hunting eels for your entire life. It's shit. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that was about it. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, yeah, I've done some, I've done other stuff, but it's mostly like D and D hobby stuff, so it's not really for this show. <laughs> That's <fair enough>. That's <laughs> I've fine. been, I've been building, I've been building a castle for Curse of Strahd, and I'm running out of time.
0: <laughs> oh, nice! See, so, yeah, uh, fingers and pies.
2: <laughs> oh, fingers and so many pies. Uh, but yeah, that was me
0: cool (laughs) lovely no it sounds sounds really good um i knew i knew you were gonna get into necromunda you you like me you sort of once you once they get that bit between your teeth you start yeah let's go for it oh yeah that little worm got in my ear (laughs) i was gonna say i'm I'm really looking forward (laughs) to sort of seeing what you get up to with that so you know because you like creative stuff so i think i think necromunda is quite perfect for you really so i'll be yeah looking forward to it yeah
2: Look forward to hear adventures from the Broiler Boys in the future. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's my Goliath gang. That named the Broiler Boys. Everyone's name starts with B. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: B for beautiful. Right. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so before I get stuck into my bit, uh, this is going to be the hobby tip of the episode. And this comes from Smells Like Zero Spirit. And he says, I just learned this one, not sure if everyone already knows, but for painting with sub-assemblies, if you varnish or model parts after painting, but before gluing, when you glue them together, you drastically reduce the frosting from the glue. What little frosting does appear can be wiped off rather than having to be painted over. That's actually a really oh, good tip.
2: Such a, that, that is a life-saving tip for me. <laughs> that's so good. oh." I've got so, to do yeah. that with everything now. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah,
0: so yeah. So if you've not, you know, not familiar with that, give it a go. So uh, share the knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right. What have I been up to? Right. Well, fingers in pies is definitely what yeah. <laughs> that what I've been up to. <laughs> um, as you know, I've been doing so far this year. I am building or working on something at least well definitely every day but sometimes it can be just reading something but the vast mm. majority is working on physical models so right yeah. uh let's start with my Nurgle stuff I've finished building all my Blight Kings because I bought another mm-hmm. Star Collector box I think I mentioned <laughs> it last episode so yeah I'm now up to yeah. 20 of them um oh, so Jesus. yeah I'm, I know I just keep, <laughs> keep building they're just so much fun to do they're such a fun yeah incredible but I'm, I can't I, blame you at all I'm I'm not going <laughs> to wax any more lyrical over them because I've done that far too much <laughs> in the past, That's but <laughs> but it, it's such a good kit. So, yeah, I'm up to 20. Um, talking of Blight Kings, I managed to actually mm-hmm. go out and prime some yesterday. Hooray! Yeah! The British weather allowed me <laughs> to do some <laughs> priming. So, uh, I did 15 of them because uh, in mm-hmm. in preparation for my 1,000 points for when we play at Warhammer World next yeah next month so yeah mm. I, I will do the other five later but i'm just sticking to obviously the ones that i need to do sort of immediately or over the short term now so yeah i got 15 of them primed um i'm not going to do contrast on them i may use contrast for um like you know shading and you know and washing and such like but i'm not i'm going to paint mm. them classic style so i've i've just done them in chaos yeah. black and uh yeah see where see where it takes me um at the moment i'm feeling gray skin with a teal type mm-hmm. armor but i i, I yeah. don't know i'm sort of gonna i mean i'm gonna start them this week coming so we'll see so that's cool I'll actually get out and do i'm gonna do some more priming after we finish recording today as well definitely uh right so what else uh i've carried on working on some of my chaos warriors ones that are becoming part of nurgle's uh, crew mm-hmm. so um i think i've got another one more done so i'm just chipping away at them you know because obviously each one is going to be yeah uh basically a kit bash so they're getting there um and in you know a complete change of pace caught everyone by surprise um <laughs> i decided to work on some zinch stuff because yep i just felt like it i haven't really got yeah, any more fair. explanation than that i just i hey. just think because i'm getting stuff done i wanted to jump on that bandwagon I yeah
2: just, look that's all you need man you don't need yeah. any other justification. No, don't I, I just to these people. No, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah,
0: exactly. I just, yeah, I, 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 think that because my pace is picked up a lot since the turn of the year, I'm thinking, well, it gives me a bit more freedom to work on different projects, um, and mm. also it means that I can sort of hopefully have a little force for a lot of the things that uh, I want. You know, mm. at the end of the day, I've got, you know, I've got my Nurgle force. Sort of in you know on the way now, um which is obviously that slow grinding sort of army. I've got my ogres well up to about fifteen hundred points built, so again, you know yeah. totally different type of, of army uh and I thought well, I don't really have a, like a you know like a demon shooting that army type thing, so um so yeah, yeah so I've been. Uh, buying and working some of those so at the moment i have built a exalted flamer i have built three flamers uh a gaunt summoner because i thought hang on i've got the silver tower box set up in my attic <laughs> uh, from all those years ago that's not been untouched so i thought ah gaunt summoner Let's uh Ooh. let's build you. uh that's lovely kit. very fiddly. it's you know it's very very thin pieces but uh no it, it uh, shapes up really well. um and then i mm. built a change caster which is the herald lovely. Uh, um the one that yeah. you can often have either on foot or on the chariot because i basically bought the chariot kit. so um i've mm. got a spare chariot or disk of zines, really technically that i can use for something Mm. else um so yeah i've been doing those um that's where it stops because i've run out of models uh for them Mm. (laughs) i've got Mm. i need to buy some more but uh, yeah (laughs) that's just something i'm just going to tick away at um so again it's part of my sort of plan really which is i've you know sort of came to a realization not long ago where i'm actually quite happy doing things like this you know in the past i've sort of said You know, you know, I want to concentrate on this and just smash this out and do that. And then, Mm. whereas I, I don't think that's for me. I think, you know, as the months go on, I thought, no, this is actually this benefits me. Where one for a couple of nights I could be doing this, and then all of a sudden I'll switch to something else, and and then go back to that. Okay, Mm. I suppose the 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 downside is it takes longer to get things done overall. But I don't really care, if I'm being honest. I just think that you know it's sort of. This is what I, I I'm getting stuff done, and you know, and I'm getting you know multiple forces built, and I like having options because that's mm. just me as a person, really. Yeah. You know, I just that's what yeah. I like doing. So yeah, I'm just going to carry on doing that, really. Um, so uh so, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> So, uh, lastly, actually, with the hobby stuff, I did actually... Again, but this is a perfect example. Um, So, again, when I was up in the loft, I came across the Smash Captain that Mm. I was given by Secret Santa a couple of years ago. And it obviously just been put in with a pile of the models. And I thought, oh, no, I've still got that. So, I thought... And I thought, oh, that's still a really cool looking model. So, um, it was, it, all it was was built, um, uh, with a magnetized, uh, jump pack. And yeah. I thought, yeah, I'm just going to tidy it up a bit, really. Sort of just, you know, move, mm. you know, sort of reposition an arm here. I added an extra decoration to the jump pack, uh, did just a bit of tidying on it in general, you know, just get rid of a few mold lines, et cetera. So, yeah, I don't know. That may lead to something. May not. Don't know. Mm. I just, Just, I don't know, just felt like doing it, really. No,
1: no, it's good.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) it's, again, more fingers in pies. But, uh, so, yeah, no, but it's been very productive, actually, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, And like I said, I'm really, really looking forward to painting now, actually. Now that the weather's finally, you know, allowing me to, or actually, I should say, start priming, then at least I feel like I'll get somewhere. Um, Talking of paint, big shout-out to Adrian, Mm. uh, obviously, who's been we'll see on the show a few times uh, because he decided to basically donate all his remaining citadel paint to me (laughs) Um, which was an amazing amount of generosity on his behalf uh, Mm. basically he has switched from to using instar and vallejo as his main two sort of you know companies for using paint um mm. it's no I don't think he's cuz he's got any issue with Citadel apart from the fact obviously the way their their paint pots are and and mm. you know that side of things really so yeah he donated I would say almost 100 paints to me um wow. most of them being or at least half <laughs> almost being never been touched so yes I've yeah. got a lot of paint <laughs> and so a massive <laughs> thank you to him and also Means I need to get my ass moving and actually get some painting done. So I've got no excuse mm. now. Yeah, <laughs> um, <do it. laughs> exactly. And um, talking of painting, I purchased a wet palette last week, again, mm. in preparation for hopefully a load of painting I'm about to do. I got the Army Painter one. Um, and mm. yeah, I'm, I mean, I've not used it yet because I'm literally in this next week about to use it, but uh, it looks good. Um, like I said, it's well, well made it's very airtight um it's got a nice little strap mm-hmm. that goes around it just to keep things in uh you've got a little as part of one of the inner trays you can put um there's a little uh, sort of slot for putting your brushes in um and i think it comes with two of the sort of hydro pads i think they call them either thing that you get wet and then it comes with about 50 yeah. sheets to to do that so yeah i'm just gonna see how it goes really um mm. and obviously if i think because hopefully i Like I said, over the next month or so, I'll be painting most evenings. So that will come in quite handy now. So I will report back Mm. next episode to see how that's getting on. Um, uh, Also buying wise, um, as I may have suggested once upon a time on this show, I very much like Seraphon and have been waiting (laughs) to jump on that bandwagon. So as of yesterday, I got the old Seraphon Start Collecting Box. Obviously, the new one's not Mm -hmm. out yet. So I grabbed that yesterday uh it's a big boy it really is a big boy it's oh, a big yeah. chunky
1: box yeah. as well it's like the um, b-square <laughs> raider
0: one where you know like depth wise mm. it's like <laughs> almost twice the depth yeah. of every other one uh, <laughs> Admittedly, because it's older sprues because obviously they're a bit more spacious so uh mm. i'm looking forward to that i'm i don't know what i'm gonna when I say i don't know what i'm gonna do with them i'm gonna i'm in regards to Obviously, the Carnosaur slash Troglodon, because I need to mm. sort of see what which direction I want to go, really, with that. So, yeah. I don't know yeah. yet. Um, I need the book I mean, first.
2: <laughs> yeah, at least either way you go, you'll get a hero on foot as well. So that's yes.
0: Nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and like I said, the Saurus Warriors, and obviously the Knights, um, I know they're older models, but uh, I was actually saying mm. on Discord last night, I think that the... Older models, you know, which <laughs> do come across as a bit uh, bit derpy for some people. I think it's actually the paint, the way that GW have done them on the site at times. I think yeah. they don't... Like, I've seen almost actually better versions in the wild, so to speak. Mm. But I think it's sort of yeah. the way it's... all the angles, I don't know. I mean, obviously, mm. they're still dated mm. models, so, you know... Yeah. but I
2: mean, maybe, maybe for the Warriors, but I feel like the Knights, their mounts are just really... Yeah. The knife and the knight mounts confuse me because they were released after the Dark Elf Cold One riders. Yeah. And they were meant to be yeah. the same species, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a bit odd, isn't it? But
2: Uh it's a bit odd. But they're, they're cute. So there's that at least. Mm-hmm. Um I, yeah. I, I do like them. They're just they don't feel quite congruent with like the carnosaur, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really looks like a big mean dinosaur. Um but yeah, that, that. I, I agree definitely with the uh, the Saurus models mm-hmm. are better than they look in the yeah. official scheme. Yeah, I
0: would yeah. agree with that. So yeah, so yeah, so that's a definite future project. I've also got a box of skinks on the way as well because you know mm. I was eBaying and got a good deal. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> where, that's um, AOS Army. You know, five hundred and fifty-two on the on the uh, horizon <laughs> for me. Mm. But, uh, uh, right, and uh, lastly, reading wise, um, managed to actually do some reading because I've been in a bit of a funk really with the books at the moment. Mm. I Not much has really sort of um, caught my eye really. And this is more for the audio books because obviously that's generally mm. how I consume most of them. And it's probably because I've been greedy because I, I, I've i done most of the big AOS and 40K ones. So I'm actually running out of options. Yeah. So um, so I did actually manage to listen to Mephiston Blood of Sanguinius, which is the first Ooh. Mephiston novel. Yeah. Um, and... You know, you know me. I, I pr- I'm very praising of most novels. I was actually really disappointed with it. To be honest, I was oh. actually, I was really gutted by it. Actually, it, I, w- I wouldn't say it's terrible. And, I, and, I, and I, like I said, I don't like being negative about you know the effort the the authors authors put in. It's, mm. So it's not really any disrespect to uh, it would be Darius Hanks who that would have done this one. I just don't think it really pulls off in, in the sense that. It, well, you know, I won't sort of say too much without spoiling the book, but I just feel mm. that it really, there was very, it felt like there's very little blood angels side of it, which you think it would be. Yeah. I know, obviously, it's about Mephiston, uh, but, you know, you would expect a lot of it to be the blood angels. It didn't really feel, it felt like they could have been any chapter, like that was pretty irrelevant. Mm. Um, mm most of the characters were forgettable. Um, It was very oddly paced. It took very long to get into it. Um, And then it would pick up a lot of pace and then sort of go very slow again. Um, Very sort of jumpy. Yeah, I just was very Mm. disappointed. I've heard that they get better. So I'm not going to disregard the series as a whole because I really love Mephiston. So I, 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 you know, I want to give the others a go. It's just, I was just a bit like, Oh, that's a shame. That's a bit disappointing, but you know, it's mm. personal taste. Obviously, I'm sure there'd be people that would disagree yeah. with me on that. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it is what it is. So, um, but I have started listening to the first wall, which is obviously the next siege of terror novel. Um, about yeah. halfway, yeah. really enjoying that. Really, really enjoying it. It's uh, without sort of being very blasé. It's it's more of the same. You know, it sort mm-hmm. of. You know, if you said to me, "Or oh, what's this one?" I'm like, "Well, I'll be honest. These Caesar terrors sort of feel like they're rolling into one. You know, <laughs> I'm sort yeah. of. It's just one yeah. long scene, really. So, and you know, again, that's not to be disrespectful the effort that's been put into them, but uh, no, it's very good though. You know, it's done by. Get this one's done by Gareth Thorpe. Uh, I like the way mm-hmm. he writes anyway. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's so far. You know, about halfway. Really enjoying it. Um, and lastly, mm-hmm. I picked up Regent's Shadow. Which is the yeah. obviously the new uh, uh, novel that uh, was it? The it was Vaults of Terror, wasn't it? The, uh, the what was it Carian mm. Empire, Carian Throne? Oh, I get these mixed Karin, up. Carian. Are... No,
2: The, no, the, the previous the... Watchers of the Throne. Yeah, Watchers of I the Throne. The that's of... it. That that yeah. Yeah. That's the one yeah, I'm
0: thinking of sorry. Yeah, they yeah. they they intermingle because <laughs> they're very similar and they came out around the same sort mm. of time. But uh, yeah, mm. so uh, yeah, that one's uh, I don't know, but I've heard heard good things about it um so yeah i'll uh, be getting onto that after the first wall so that was nice actually because yeah. it felt like, like i said i felt like oh i really got little to listen to and then all of a sudden first wall and reading the shadow were both dropped on the same day and i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> yes i can get back on my audio <laughs> so uh so yeah so yeah i've been you know i've been busy been doing stuff mm. as yeah uh, which is nice to actually report in so <laughs> watch this space no,
2: that's good. yeah mm.
0: cool right okay i think it's time to have our first break um we've done all right time-wise getting through it mm. early <laughs> and uh, <laughs> where we return i think we'll talk about all that gorgeous tasty warhammer news back soon mm-hmm. right welcome back time to get stuck into the news uh we've got you know a fair little mix mm. as Seems to be yeah. the, you know, the way of things this year. So let's mm. get stuck straight into 40k. So I've got a few little bits. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of the main sort of content, well, I suppose contentious <laughs> topics that's, uh, that's happened is the out of nowhere Space Marines errata. Um, well, Yay. I say out of nowhere. Obviously, it was long suspected that they would get, have their rules updated or slightly, yeah. Nerfed, but yeah. it sort of came Some outside would say long the cycle. Overdue yeah yeah Yeah, so uh, yeah i mean what's your thoughts on this
2: um my thoughts on this uh is that the three-word phrase delete this stratagem has incredible energy (laughs) i love it um but yeah i think as i just said it was long overdue um everyone knew space marines were way too powerful when they released the second codex Mm -hmm. however Games Workshop can be a bit slow to respond in things, and their replies seem to be, like, optimistic about the player base's actions, as opposed to, in a competitive player base, people will immediately find the most efficient thing and abuse it, mm. um, which is fair. The kind of games you play working for Games Workshop, probably very different overall compared to high-level tournament play. Um, my overall thoughts on the changes are, uh, they're pretty good. They are yeah. not crazy. Um, no. No. I do feel, I do feel a little bad for the Dark Angels players who are bemoaning the fact that they had two weeks of being pretty good (laughs) and immediately (laughs) got nerfed into the ground because of Iron Hands. Um, that's, that's what you get, you filthy traitors. Uh, no, (laughs) I I do feel bad for you guys. You guys weren't crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, this is, this is, uh, this has primarily been a response to the Iron Hands completely Mm. dominating the tournament scene for the last as i said about six months yeah. uh, and primarily focuses around uh you can't stay in conj- in one combat doctrine anymore you have to shift uh from devastated to tactical at the end of turn one and then turn two and three you're i uh, you're turn two you're in tactical turn three you're in tactical or assault and turn four onwards you're always in assault yes um and the stratagems to change back a, a level in the cycle have been, as I said, deleted. Mm, Delete this stratagem. Move, isn't it? Yeah, it's no longer exists. Strike it out of your book. Uh, cover mm. it with a marker. Mm. Um, there <laughs> are still certain factions that can mess around with that. For example, Ultramarines are actually coming out as the most flexible faction, kind of <laughs> yes, their shtick, yeah. because they yep. still have a bunch of ways to manipulate the combat doctrines. Uh, there are ways around it. There is... Imper- uh, not Imper- iron hands do still have a stratagem to put a unit into devastated doctrine for the turn so it's not like mm-hmm. they've lost it entirely but considering right before this errata came out i saw um i think it was tabletop tactics did a high level competitive game between iron hands and gray knights yes yeah they did. seeing seeing how good iron hands were and then a day later waking up to see the errata made me feel like, oh, someone watched that video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Divine intervention saw...
0: there from the emperor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean,
2: Chaos gods probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and more in depth on the iron hand side of things, they, they only get their super doctrine for the first turn of the game. Um, they're still good after that in terms of shooting and everything, but mm-hmm. they're still Marines, they still get the tactical doctrine, they still get the assault doctrine if they go into melee. Um, but the big thing for Iron Hands actually is that, um, the pass wounds off to a nearby infantry unit doesn't work on vehicles anymore, so you can't mm-hmm. have a Leviathan that once it fails, it's five plus feel no pain, can then pass <laughs> off that wound to an intercessor <laughs> unit within six inches or something. That was and crazy. It's like, it was it was nuts. There was, there, there was a reason it was fixed, which is because it was insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, because wasn't
0: wasn't there like a one point five percent chance of a last cannon doing a wound or something on it? Yeah, was some ridiculously yeah, it was low crazy. stat. It was just yeah, yeah. That's not yeah. the way it was built to play. You know, I know Mm, it's obviously mm. the way the rules were, you know, obviously pre nerf that, you know, allowed you to do it. But, I I mean, I I always feel sorry for the playtesters, really, in this. I was Mm. having a conversation... Uh, about this the other day actually that i think when you're a play tester well and this applies to any other games you're in a bit of a rock and a hard place really because obviously mm. you've only got so much time to play test there's only so many games you can do you've got mm. so many you're, you're testing your list or the book or whatever you've got in front of you you're then testing it against different uh armies and factions yeah. and then it's down then you've got to try different lists there's like there's so many. Mm-hmm. Variables mm-hmm. in that, and and yeah. the pro and the problem is what what the playtesters don't have, which is what we as in the community have, mm-hmm. is let's be honest, when anything drops, a book drops for any of these games, especially the big two, that people, you know, with the internet being the internet, people will be flying ideas around, and that's how these oh, yeah. cheeky nasty combos get found. Like mm, the playtesters mm. don't find them because they don't really have the time and I suppose they've only got a small pool of people whereas the internet's massive yeah. and there's the oh, yeah. internet, yeah. in quote marks, can find these things. <laughs> so it's it's inevitable that they happen And but mm. then at the same time it's inevitable that something gets done about them as well because I think what I'm liking about this nerf to them uh, as a whole is not just because it stops them dominating because obviously, like you said, they will still be potentially mm. dominating but you know obviously it would just give other people a bit of a fair crack at them but also mm. i've i'm really pleased about which is, i think has been mentioned before is the fact that people will actually want to play them more because there's nothing worse than when you've just <laughs> bought this army especially if you're an iron hands you know mm. a long long-term fan you know you've been waiting for your day to finally get them and then no one wants to play you because they, they're too good and mm. there's nothing worse yeah. than that so yeah. it's like it, it, it it's overall mm. a good thing it allows people to play more and yeah. less domination yeah. which is only a yeah. good thing
2: honestly with the way doctrines were written it feels like the enforced moving on should have been a thing from the start just because it's like this is how a space marine army operates in the first set of the battle they utilize heavy weapons to wear them down and they go to tactical weapons to mow down the infantry then they get into assault but then the rules were like or they spend the entire battle sitting down with their heavy weapons and doing nothing else (laughs) yeah but thematically it's way better Uh, definitely in terms of balance they're still really really good Mm -hmm. guys the world isn't falling down. Your Iron Hands are still in, like, the top 10% of armies. <laughs> Honestly, they're fine. And <laughs> they're just not sh- as good. <laughs> I was going
0: to say, it also proves that GW can do a nerf well, because obviously they do get a lot of stick mm. for, you know, like where they take things too extreme. I think yep. they, over the time, with these with the, with 8th edition and, and obviously AOS now 2nd edition, I think they are starting to learn where, mm. you know, you don't mm. have to cripple a faction just because they're doing yeah. well, you know, you can sort yeah. of knock them down a peg, and that's the way it
2: should Gently be. Gently nerf them. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, Honestly, so. Games Workshop is investing all this money in a new factory. They do need to invest money in, like, an AI that can run simulations of 40 k <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it, still keep your playtesters, because I'm sure they'll find something the AI doesn't. Oh, but of course. Train train this machine to do nothing but play competitive level one, <laughs> and then have it fight itself so that you understand what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, it's unlikely uh, but I feel that would be the simplest solution it's not mm, going to happen obviously, no <laughs> oh god but, uh, if only <laughs> yeah but no it's, it's
0: good it's good to show that they you know they will accept where they've gone wrong with something or they've taken something mm. too far and will do something about yeah. it so yeah, yeah so yeah. go yeah go check it out it's on the uh, community website for the download mm. right yeah okay so next uh blood of phoenix i.e the the unique Units so are the Incubi, the Han Banshees, mm-hmm. Jane Zar, and Drashtar are now available yep. separately, which is not mm-hmm. bad actually in the sense that they've not been out, you know, too long after the box set. Mm. So what was a box set, what, yeah, September, October time roughly,
2: yeah. So yeah. that's
0: not bad, you know. Like we're not people like,
2: months, yeah.
0: That's reasonable, know like, that. you know. It's not like they're having to wait, mm. you know. Two, you know, two years yeah. for to, to see them yeah. separately. So no, I'm I'm pleased with that. Really. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, they're cool.
2: They're models. Right. they're out. Yeah. what else can we say? Um, That's it. But they're not as cool as Sergeant Ripper
1: Jackson. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> oh guy.
2: well,
0: again, very very appropriate character considering the theme seems to be with uh, mm. with uh, you know we're talking about the uh, the sister battle and obviously the question we answered about female Marines now. So we've got mm. the. Uh, female a female uh Kachan fighter i love her yeah, i think she's god. awesome and remember remember <laughs> i don't like imperial guard they're yeah you know, they're my kryptonite yeah, like, so yeah. remember, this is high praise from me i think she is hey. awesome as <laughs> a Listen, model
2: Matt, i see i see that licked ahead on the base and the, my first thought was god i wish that was me <laughs> <laughs> She's incredible. Um, she's also got history. For those who want to know, uh, she's based on a very old fifty-four millimeter scale mm. catachin someone sculpted for a golden demon competition. Yes, uh, this is a much improved version. She, she's, she's a badass with a bolter, and I love mm. her. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But,
0: I mean, what a I mean, good it- model. It it really is. It's, it's shown so much detail, and I think what I really mm. like about it, and it sort of ties in with what we we're talking about earlier. It just shows that, like I said, you know, you can have these female models that like mm. that in in you know in the guard and well any of these factions. I think nothing. Oh more. yeah. And, but yeah. it's so appropriate. And I like the mm. fact that, you know, she's ripped, you know, she's not, you know, she's oh, like the, God, yeah. like straight out of, you know, the second Aliens movie, you know, it's sort of, mm. like it's oh, that, yeah. sort of, that sort of look. And it's great. It's so appropriate. Mm. And so.
2: She's strength four. She shows it. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> oh, it's,
0: no, oh, she's great. The, the only, yeah. like I said, the only thing that slightly takes the thing off is the fact that she's one of those, um, sort of limited models it's for is it for like yeah. store openings and it is for things. store
2: openings which means i have asked my manager if he can convince the local complex to force him to rename the shop back to <laughs> games workshop can i put in a complaint about war being next to the lawyer's office or next to the laundromat <laughs> because i don't like that word i they need to change it rebrand back to games workshops yeah <laughs> this model oh god that this is my one issue is i don't want to go to a recaster and I don't want to play pay the price I'm going to have to pay on eBay to get this. No, model. so I don't it, know what I'm going to do. It's it's <laughs> a real that. shame
0: that they've done they've done this route with it. I get why they've done it. It's just a shame because, mm. like I said, there's now going to be a lot of people that unfortunately won't own her. That yeah, she would yeah. fit perfectly in with their you know, their guard armies yeah. they've already got. But I mean, you know,
2: honestly, they they've got the sprue and the mold for her. I just feel like they do these every year for mm. a variety of things. I feel there should be a yearly pack you can get of, like, this year's highlights. There's a bundle or something. Like, at the end of the year, on December 31st, go into your store, click this year's highlights, and it'll get you those individual character models. Because mm. I, I, I hate the thought of this woman's incredible mold just going to, going to dust in some back storeroom until they find an excuse to bring it out again. Although... Yeah. Although... If there's a Cattishen's re-release, which well, is what I hope there is, who knows? She could be like um, Sister Superior Malia Novena, and be <laughs> re-released alongside them. Why did that roll off my tongue so well? <laughs> 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 I was you struggling should... to remember the name. It went. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: going to say the, the only sort of the funny thing is with this is that, like you said, that that we know that you know design and especially the. The mold is very expensive for any model, mm. and it. And yeah. like I say when it's a limited model like that, you you think I'm mostly always surprises me. It's sort of thinking, well, mm. they can't be that expensive. Like if you're well, willing like, to do yeah. this, it sort of suggests yeah. that they it, it can't be that bad because like i said yeah. this is going to have a limited sale because there's mm, only going to be so mm. many openings and like you said it almost feels like it will go to waste because you think well look there'll yeah. be loads of people that want to buy it even me even yeah. me wants to buy it and i don't like god yeah
2: like yeah odd isn't it if, if they if they were a limited model for like it's only available for this week or whatever that would make sense like worldwide mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. week is the week where you can get a That would make sense because there would be a run on that model. You'd get orders, you'd know how much to print, you'd know how much to send out. The fact that it is limited to if a store opens within driving distance of where you live, you can go and get this model makes no sense.
0: No, it seems a waste. It just seems a real waste of a sprue. um, Yeah,
2: they're they're a great company. They're a great brand. Let me tell you, they're not opening a ton of new stores in Perth, Australia. Mm. We already have like (laughs) five of them and that's enough. We're at saturation already. Yeah, we're not going to be able to get this. And, uh. and
0: and think some of the other models that we've seen, like there was that lovely female mm. um, stormcaster, um, the one with the yeah. sort of the double bladed weapon. Mm. I forgot mm. my name. Or Shade the eight other Caster or something. Or,
2: yeah, or the eight other primaris lieutenants that I can't get. Yeah,
0: or the um, <laughs> for or my, the, uh, the
2: lieutenant army.
0: <laughs> what's it called? The uh, the uh, plastic. Terminator Chaplin, as well. That's, oh, um, yeah, That's yes. another one that's Although in that I sort ma- of... I
2: managed to nab that, at least. But yeah. Oh, okay.
0: But, again, they go yeah. for silly money on eBay now, because of that. So oh, God, yeah. I could uh... sell
2: that and buy, like, a whole stock collecting box if <laughs> I really wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I might. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going back to Sergeant Jackson. I'm really hoping it'll inspire mm. people to do some very female-centric guard armies. Mm. Be oh, a, yeah. You know, like we were talking about earlier. I think that would be really cool, so... Get inspired, people. Get inspired. Yep. Even I want to see it. Come on. Um, (laughs) Right, let's switch over to the Mortal Realms. Let's talk about AOS. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about dinosaurs. Yes. Um, <laughs> get that Jurassic Park music on loop. Uh, yeah, so Seraphon are out next week, as in the new mm-hmm. Battle Tome, the new yep. train piece, which is the Realm Shaper Engine, which comes in two mm-hmm. flavors. You've got the uh, the jungle version and the, and the clean version, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. way you want to say yeah. it. So, which I think is a really novel way. To, to do mm, it actually it's cool. um i think that's yeah. good that they've done the options so basically you, you do one side or the other uh obviously you've got the war scroll cards which are quite expensive actually compared to normal um mm. i'm assuming because there's just a load of them because they're like 20 quid um which is sort of yeah there expensive. are there
2: are a there are a lot of units and there are a lot of kits with alternate builds i think is what it is because mm-hmm. there's like there's there's two different versions of Bastiodon, there's like three different versions of Stegodon, plus a Stegodon hero. There's uh you get the Carnosaur, the Carnosaur with a with a scar veteran, the Carnosaur with an old blood, the Troglodon, the Troglodon with a skink priest like that one kit, the Carnosaur kit, has like five or six war scrolls attached to it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, that, that yeah, may, no, no, right. Up. It makes sense. I think it's a
0: bit like the, a bit like the Cities of Sigmar one was the same. It's just, just mm, a lot of cardboard. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so they're up for pre order as of yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday being the 7th of March. Um, so, also in cahoots with that, they are getting a new yep. Star Collecting Box. That's why yes. earlier I said the start old Star Collecting, start collecting Box. Yes, <laughs> here we are. So, uh, yeah, this is a lovely kit. You get the mm. stin- What's it? You get the uh, the skink Star Priest. You get twelve skinks because obviously they're in sprues mm-hmm. of four. Off the top of my head, yeah. so you, that's why you're yeah. getting a, an odd number. Uh, see, they weren't going to give you eight, um, because that that'll be harsh. No. Uh, <laughs> you get a Bacillodon, and uh, you get four of the, uh, the Pterodons, or the, uh, mm. well, the, the Ripodactyls, uh, as the alternate yeah. build, yeah. So that's a nice, well-rounded mm. box. Yeah. Now, looking at the early, you know, leaks of the, the new Battle mm. Tome, it looks like the Star Priest is almost, not... I wouldn't say auto include, but he's a very good contender. He's pretty to be, good. You know, he's looking uh, very good.
2: What, what is it, like a four up every turn you get an extra command point from him? Yeah,
0: I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The new War Scrolls are out on good. the website. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Me that and you... the,
2: the Steodons are pretty good too, from everything I hear. Honestly, yes. hey guys, everything's good. I want to see a Carnosaur with four bite attacks at damage five that reduces <laughs> all damage it takes by one. And just oh god, that thing's going to be beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Hey, Seraphon seraphona good now. We'll talk yeah. more about it next episode. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: yes, we will be literally uh, talking yeah. about it next episode. <laughs> so yeah, that's all. Uh, mm. I set up for pre-order as well. So yeah, I think that's, yeah. uh I mean, it's that's a nice combination with the old kit, I think as well. Mm. So I think you together can get, you
2: get a pretty good spread of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Definitely. And yeah. and also, let's be honest, it's gonna be good for eBay as well, because obviously yeah, yeah. people will be buying these boxes, they'll be splitting them up, so you'll be able to get mm. um, multiple Bastilladons and, yes. and things like that. So delicious. Um <clears> we're <throat> also
2: getting more star collecting boxes if we need it anymore. Uh we're finally getting star collecting daughters of Cain. Which is great because it's the only easy way to get the Cauldron of Blood. I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that 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 goddamn thing goes out of stock the second it comes back into stock. Because mm. if you're a game player, you need at least one. It's yep. a it's the kit that gives you all of your heroes. It's that good. Um, yeah, so it, it's literally just a Cauldron of Blood and a Melusai kit. I believe um, it's it's a it's a two unit box. Yeah, you got yeah. Fi- you get five snakes, uh, the cauldron, and depending how you build the cauldron, you can also get a hag queen, um, a witch queen, and an avatar of Cain on foot, plus the bloodrack medusa on the shrine. That's right. Or you can have uh, one of the one of the queens on foot, one of them on the cauldron, and the melosai uh, not the Mil- the medusa on foot. Mm-hmm. Um, it- it's literally where you get all of the daughters of Cain heroes. You need it. Yeah. If you're playing, if you're playing them, it's good. Um, and and hey, as someone who has the Meloside kits, they're awesome. They're great models. Mm. Lots of fun. Uh, so is the Cauldron, to be fair. <laughs> um, and then we have uh the Gloom Spike kits. Get a get a star collecting box that appears to be mostly squigs with some trolls and a goblin mixed in.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed one that, in the sense that mm. it's a bit like the Battle Force that came out at Christmas, where by yeah. itself it's not that great. You know, isn't you haven't got much synergy, mm. but it's a good you know, I suppose it's good if you want to then get on and try the different variations yeah. within Gloom yeah. So it's not yeah. definitely a good kit. Um and it again It feels
2: like they Yeah, it feels like they want you to play that mixed horde for Gloom which is like a yes. the big thematic thing, which is really cool as well. Yeah. It looks great. But, like, people are like, no, I want all squigs, all goblins, or all trolls, because that's what's easiest and most efficient. Like, yeah, oh, have a little fun. Live a little. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, again, it's never a bad thing when these – kits come no. out ultimately it's, it's a it's a great way to like to save a bit of money and and mm. again i suppose it's always that way to have it's to you know yet again start another cheeky little army isn't it like ah, yeah new kits you oh. say mm. <laughs> so uh <laughs> good on them and, and, and i'm glad especially for daughters of kane because uh, mm. I, I suppose i would never thought it may see the light of day to be honest because again i've had this oh, conversation God, yeah. in the past where i thought considering that the, the heroes are tied to the so the cauldron, mm. basically, you don't really have yeah. any real just standalone heroes by themselves. Yeah. Then I never thought we would see it because obviously, the way I was thinking it is that you would have, you know, what a, you need a basically an on foot hero of sorts. Mm. You need then, mm. you know, would you then chuck in some witch elves and then, you know, maybe like a lucky elite unit? Whereas obviously, they've done it this way, which mm. again is a good thing, I suppose. But like I said, for most. And daughters of King players it would be like you said a cheap way an easy way to get the mm. cauldron because obviously ultimately yeah. you're still going to be probably running lots of witch elves which unfortunately mm. cost a lot because you know they're horde yeah. and they're expensive so yeah um, financially yeah. but
2: oh yeah it would have cool. been nice if the box was the cauldron and 10 witch elves instead but you know yeah you get what yeah. you get exactly yeah <laughs> it is
0: what it is so Cool, right, okay, um, let's go into the other stuff again. It's a bit like the last mm. one where it's all the other stuff that seems to be uh, oh, yeah. taking up the news.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, so what <coughs> we got first? Uh, Warhammer Underworlds. We've now seen yes. the, I believe, the penultimate one Mm. for this season because i think daughters of Cain will be the last one by the look of it so this is
2: we assume they are daughters of Cain. yes yes i mean so far
0: it's been spot on so (laughs) you can safely assume it's going to be so this is uh more gox crushers so this is the Mm -hmm. uh, orc brutes uh warband uh they look very Mm -hmm. nice they They look very cool cool. they they
2: look like um they look like iron jaws from the realm of beasts which is all i can say from them they're cool they're big guys with bones strapped to their iron armor (laughs) <laughs> yeah so yeah. uh
0: yeah no very cool mm. i mean they you know I don't think, again i don't think you can say much more than that they look mm. like you would expect and they look cool so again i'm yeah. sure as we get nearer to release we'll start seeing what they can do in mm. underworld itself
2: the season's been big on like the three-person war bands it feels like you've mm. got the brutes, you've got the uh nurgle you've got the problems Rickers. on the walls yeah right yeah. yeah. No, you, you're getting all, all the eggs in three baskets kind of style worlds, which is weird because all the games I've played, I've had at least like five or six models, and it's felt like I've barely had enough yeah. guys to do anything well, that,
0: with. Well, that's what I need to do because the, the couple of games mm. I've played, i played with the old Stormcast one, and obviously i played with the Nurgle one, so I've only ever mm. played with three members of a yeah. war band, so I'm, I need to do one where I've got lots of <laughs> lots of people to <laughs> see what it feels like. Mm. <laughs> Right. Uh, again, this is all part of. All this um, uh, Warband news was obviously part of the uh, the Toy Fair, the new yeah New York Toy Fair, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So there's part of a few reveals. So uh, yeah, for, in regards to Aeronautica, we've got the Avenger Strike Fighters. Cool. Um, they look very nice. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yep. All the Aeronautica stuff looks radical. I can't mm-hmm. wait till they bring back Epic using Titanicus oh. Aeronautica and like a an infantry scale thing because mm, be like, it, <laughs> it, it really feels like that's what they're going up to because everything for titanicus and aeronautica are in scale with each other so far and it feels like that's what they're going for eventually i really hope that's what it is
0: well i think i think again apologies if i'm repeating myself um mm. but i think when um one of the last few events i think i think was it maybe the open day uh, i can't mm. remember but i think um from what I heard on on one of the sessions, that they were they they threw that question towards them, and I think it's something mm. they, they're considering, but would be way off. So yeah, that's oh, I'm good. Sure it's it's being considered. But man,
2: I just want a land raider the size of my thumbnail. Okay? <laughs> yeah, it's all I want. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I miss those days. Oh, it was oh so good. So I want. Cool. Well, I, I want my Imperator t- um, Titan as well because again, I yes. love that from the the well, original box. And-
2: I've seen some amazing stuff done with the actual Imperial Knight kits to represent Imperators in Titanicus. Oh. Now, to be fair, like oh, you, you, if you take a Dominus, um, a Castellan specifically, it's basically an Imperator. You just slap a Gatling arm instead of the Volcano <laughs> Lance on, yeah. and then you've got it. You know, get some scenery on top of the shoulders, and yeah, I've seen some cool stuff for that. Mm, I really nice. hope, I really hope we get an Imperator. That'd be so good. Yes, please. We finally have a canonical hype for it as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, dear.
0: We'll see. mm, Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, As part of this, they showed off the next um, sort of the, the, uh, I suppose, their sort of board games. games. Yeah, Yeah. box games, board games sort of. Hybrids. So, Mm, um, obviously, in the past or the last round, we saw the first season of Blitz Bowl. We saw Mm. um, what else we see? We saw Combat Adventures. Yeah, Space Marine Adventures. Combat Arena was right there. Um, So basically, they're cut down versions um, to be sold in you know sort of non GW stores to obviously get Mm. people into it. So uh, they've announced the next few. So we've got Rise of the Orcs. We've got the second season of Blitz Bowl, and we've got Crypt Hunters. Mm -hmm. um so yeah that all looks yeah cool pretty cool
2: yeah Yeah, i mean i've I've heard blitzball is basically blood bowl but faster and better (laughs) so apparently that at least is really good yeah so
0: mm. i I was i was gonna say as well is that don't for you know for people like us who are really into the games i because we're not really the target Mm. audience for these games but i would say don't write them off um because like Mm. like cameron said you know, Blitz Bowl supposed to be very good. Like I said I've played Combat Arena. Uh, I actually got. I'm getting my copy from Alex very soon. Ooh, um, getting nice. getting over from the states, um, mm. and I love that. Like I said, so I you know even if you're you consider yourself a more hardcore you know Warhammer mm. person, mm. don't write these off because they you you know they they could be quite you know. Quite amusing for, for a lot of people. So uh, or yeah. at least to, to have a little cheeky game of something. So, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> uh, right. What's next? Also, yeah, they showed off the what's it, the McFarlane Toys Intercessor. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, uh, again, looks looks lovely. Mm. Uh, I, I must admit, I'm losing track of all these sort of <laughs> things. Like, you know, we've had Funko yeah. Pops. We've had those yeah. other ones that look like Funko Pops.
2: Um, uh, uh, the, the Chibis. That's
0: it. <laughs> And then obviously we yeah. have the Bandai uh, one as well. So, yeah, mm. you know, they're branching yeah. out. I mean,
2: looking, yeah, this is good. cool. The McFarlane one should be, like, essentially the budget version of the Bandai Intercessor. Uh, but it's also confirmed coming in grey plastic that you can paint yourselves, which is mm-hmm. nice. So yeah. I might get one. We'll see. I don't know. Um, they also said they're planning on doing something that isn't a space marine. Um, oh. So that's interesting, apparently. Yeah. Mm. So we might, we might get something really cool from McFarlane in the future. Uh, it's, I don't know. Like uh, I would love an Eversaur assassin to just kind of put on my desk and guard it from <laughs> all kinds of intruders, That'd be tossing amazing. that out there. Put <laughs> <Yeah. And laughs> that on your would... desk. Oh, you know, just a drugged-up maniac with a power claw <laughs> yeah. and a skull helmet.
0: <laughs> would it be amazing if it was a bit like... Um... Oh, like you know, like, those kids' toys—a bit like Buckaroo and and things mm. like the ones that move. Like you'd have oh, ones where, where where after <laughs> after if you touch it or do stuff to it too many times, it explodes <laughs> into pieces.
2: <laughs> Episaurus assassin now available with real dismembered heretic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. get on it, please. Yeah. All right. Um. Then we had the we had the Black Library celebration. Um. Mm. Last weekend. Mm. There was some cool stuff. You could get the Regent Shadow, which in, as well, you could get um, Valerian and Alea, the Custodes and Sisters of Silence, as models. Apparently, yes. they're really cool. Yeah, uh, You could also apparently get some dice for Adeptus Custodes, which they they look really pretty and kind of possible to read, which mm. is a nice change. Oh. They're actually really <laughs> striking. Now that I look at them, they're black with the yellow imprints. Oh, mm. they're very nice. Um. Yeah, some some good stuff. Um, we get we get we got a full Necromunda novel. Uh, we got Cal Jericho Sinner's Bounty in hardback, which the cover looks so trippy on that. Yeah, oh really he does. God. <laughs> I actually saw that in store today. I should really get that. Mm, that oh, it's Josh Reynolds as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got, uh, The Last Chances, uh, with 13th Legion by Gav Thorpe. It's an anniversary edition of an old book. Uh, I've not read any of The Last Chances stuff, but I know they're very well loved. Mm-hmm. Um, True. like, like you said, we've got The First Wall came out, uh, and then we got Odes and Conquest, which is an Age of Sigma anthology book with, uh, a very, very cool Hallowed Knight on the front. So,
1: might pick that up as well. That's pretty
2: cool. <laughs> um... You never know. Um, Hell's Reach came back and Iron Company from the Warhammer Fantasy books uh came back in special print editions as well, which is called cool. yeah. I haven't read Hell's Reach, I have watched Hell's Reach, <laughs> as a lot of people have. <laughs> Should probably read it. Um there was the Celebration Anthology, which I got a copy of. Did you manage to
0: No, um oh, uh. I it, unfortunately it came out with um when I was suffering with uh disease so i was sort oh, of. Uh, i was i, I mean <laughs> leave the house around those weekends so, yeah.
2: i was also very sick but i managed to get it during the week afterwards oh fair enough because <laughs> yeah the store i went to had like literally a crate still left of them so like, oh, i'll just have one <laughs> like, eh, thank you <laughs> feed me i heard there was good stories in it um the Lionel Johnson Primarchs series mm. book is out as well. Uh, deluxe limited edition hardback. So it's probably not available right now anymore, but you never know. Um, it looks really cool. And he's a Primarch I should really know more about. So maybe I'll look to, look to learn about him. Um, I,
0: I believe the actual ooh. normal novel of that, the mm. um, norm, normal version, I think is out in May. So it's not far away. Oh,
2: that's not too far away. Yeah, no. No, that's good. Um, and something I am a little sad about missing out on was there was a series of Horus Heresy Legion pins. Uh, it was all the Loyalist legions. <laughs> uh, this is the first series because I guess the next one will be all the traitor legions. But it's just a series of cool little pins with the legion number and a symbol for them, and they're really cool. Actually, that's the, they're not all loyalists. The Thousand Sons pin is in the first set. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> What is this? Yeah, I don't know, actually.
0: Yeah, they're sort of a bit of a mix. That's actually, a weird then.
2: selection. I would have thought it would yeah. have been the Nine and Nine, but uh, no, there's Emperor's Children and Sons of Horus in there as yeah. well, I've just realized. Hmm. Huh. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. Fair enough. Who could have guessed? <laughs> um, some some books have gotten into French, French and German, so that's nice for our French and German people. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of audio dramas uh, and audio books coming along, and that's basically what we got out of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's nice. Um, I mean, I think going back to Valerian and Alea that sort of because mm. obviously they now uh, have their own rules. Obviously, it's now massively hinting that the when Ooh, the Custodes yeah. have their yeah. psychic awakening, that it will be basically mm. Talons of the Emperor as their yes. sort of uh, believe, updated rules.
2: I believe there was rumors that there's another Adeptus Custodis Codex coming. Yeah, as well, were, I remember there was a, a rumor a, a little bit leak. back. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so that would we'll be cool. We'll mm. see when we, when is everyone else getting their second codex? I want a new death. I what. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, that was the black library celebration 2020. I like that. This is at the start of the year. Cause it gives me a lot to look forward to for the year in books and like a lot to get into at the start of the year. Uh, there's all these books. I'll get to them eventually. Yeah. But man, yeah, there's some good stuff. Um, I'm- yeah, there we go. How cool. about that Horus Heresy? More yeah, Angels, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. As I, I, I must admit, you like I said you. I think if you're a Horus Heresy Dark Angels player, you must feel like a pig in shit at the moment. Oh yeah, you must be like, loving it, all these new insane. models. Insane.
2: I, like, I admit, I've not paid attention to Horus Heresy stuff in terms of what Legion-specific releases there are, but this feels like a lot, and like it's nicely paced. Like it's just. Mm. Every, every month or a month and a half, there's like, here's another Dark Angels thing, and here's another Dark Angels thing, and here's another cool Dark Angels thing. I'm like, guys, you're getting <laughs> yeah. so many cool things. I, <laughs> um, I believe I believe also, it might not be on here, so this is the Interemptors, um, which are the <laughs> plasma flamer specialists from the Dark mm-hmm. Angels. Terrifying. Yep. Um, I believe they also showed off, I don't know if they're up for order, but the, um, the original Deathwing, which is the power-armored bodyguard unit, yeah. Which is I'd just d- five Dark Angels captains in a squad, it yeah. looks like to me. <laughs> God, it's gorgeous. It really yeah. is.
0: I mean that's mm. the thing. If you now look at the sort of the recent Dark Angel releases over there, you've you know you've got like I said, you've got the mm. the lovely contempter, you've got the the, the the both obviously both praetors are really nice, the you know, one in cataphracti and one in obviously normal power armour. Mm. You know, the Lithial the, the looks really nice, and then yes. you've got like the, so the inner circle knights as mm. well and yeah mm. like, I, I must admit inter inter is a really interesting name <laughs> mm. <laughs> they, they like this uh, way of naming yeah. their marines sometimes but uh but no mm. but then to be fair i suppose it's even the same with the blood angels really over in heresy they've had some mm. really nice and interesting looking releases recently so um yeah no it, it, so they're still churning it out so it's not yeah. going away right uh right okay the last couple of bits we've got uh warhammer crime so it's been announced this was sort of rumored obviously a while back anyway or at least Mm. hinted at so obviously they've done warhammer horror recently and now we're getting warhammer crime i'm looking forward to this yeah
2: we are one step closer to warhammer romance yeah (laughs) i can't wait i'm uh, hey unironically, it might happen, and that's kind of got me really excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, would lo- I would love a good romance novel in Warhammer. Yeah, but yeah, Warhammer time Crime is cool. I'm a little perplexed by the fact that it's not just set in Necromunda, because I feel that would have been the, the shoe-in setting. But I guess Never Want to Be Conventional Games Workshop has made a new Hive City uh, for yeah. this to take place in. Uh, and I like the idea that this series will be more like cohesive because the Warhammer horror books there were some good ones there were some average ones but they were all about different subjects just the binding theme was they were horror books right yeah but whereas this this is Warhammer Crime and it's set in this hive city in this time period so it's like and uh, maybe not necessarily an overarching story but it's going to be at least a decent like wide look at this one particular setting which I think mm. will be really interesting
0: yeah and i i hope it what it may it may or may not what i hope it brings like you said when they focus on a particular part of a particular you know planet is that Mm. i i feel like i want there to be more in in especially well i suppose 40k and aos but i want more Mm. prominence to certain things like you know when you're growing up and you're into the hobby certain Mm. Yeah, you know, certain places like Armageddon, for example, everyone knows yeah. Armageddon and all the history. I feel like I want there to be more of that in the current mm. setting. It feels sometimes. I know that obviously that it takes time for that to happen, but I want more prominent things like you know, like we, like we saw with Vigilus. Yeah. You know, they tried to mm. make that a thing, and I feel like that's not that sort of disappeared now. Like I don't think people mm. are talking about Vigilus because it's like oh, this yeah. happened and then that's it. I want like. I mm. want there to be famous places, you know, like just yeah. that are so well known that everyone knows about them because of mm. X, Y, Z. So yeah, I'm hoping that by them focusing mm. on, you know, bringing light to places that people are not familiar with, that we'll see some cool stuff mm. happening. So yeah, we'll see.
2: Yeah, we'll see. We'll find out. Yes. Um, so. and la- last thing on the list, it's everyone's favorite chef. <laughs> big, big, crumb. The rattling <laughs> slopper has come to Necromanda. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, a slopper is a person you can hire to feed your gang and help them recover faster from injuries. Yeah. Because good nutrition's hard to find, as evidenced by the fact he's cooking with a tentacle and a boot.
0: Um, yeah. Well, exactly. He's missing a <laughs> yeah. boot, his boot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big fan of this model. He's kind of cool. Mm. I really like him. Uh, I like the fact that because he's a rattling, he has a telescopic ladle. And I also like the fact that he's a two-star chef. Because he's literally got a piece of armor on his shoulder with two stars on it. Is <laughs> <laughs> the best the best your creds can buy. It's big, big mm. <laughs> It's such
0: a unique model. It really is. I, I love mm. it. I think it's so cool. So yeah, yeah.
2: It's one of those things that adds more flavor. Uh, pun. <laughs> 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 he did it. He did it.
0: Right. Cool. So yeah, that's been that's been all the news Ooh. to cover. So right. Okay, we're going to take. Uh, well, what will be, end up being the last break of the episode because, mm. you know what, we're going to yeah. go there. That's it. Bring your faith. Bring your fire. Mm. We're going to be talking about the Adepta Sorotas when we return. <laughs> go sisters. Well, here we are. It's finally time. Admittedly a few months late, but it's finally time
2: <laughs> <laughs> to Look, talk. We about... couldn't get that big fancy box, okay? <laughs> no, that's true.
0: <laughs> so we had to get the codex like normal people. And actually mm. talking of codexes, a big thank you to Alchemist Workshops for providing a copy uh-huh. of the lovely. codex. Very nice mm. of you to do so. They're based here in the UK and give lovely discounts for all the lovely models that GW throw out. So link to... Mm. Their website will be down in the description. So big thanks to you guys again. So yes, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the Adepta Sorotas at last. We're going to talk about all the lore uh, from it, and we will try yep. and do it as quick and as concisely as possible. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> Hint. Oh, boy, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want, one thing I'll quickly say, uh, and hopefully you agree with me, I think this is actually one of the the nicest codex, or well, nicest, mm. one of the best codexes um, I've read in a while, actually. I've really enjoyed mm. it uh, to read. I, yeah. think. I mean, obviously a lot of it is known lore and mm. canon anyway, but it, it's a bit like when I read the Chaos Knights one, you know, when you're just like, oh, I'm just yeah. really, really enjoying them. And I think this is the same,
1: mm.
0: I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, right. Let's do this. So, right. So as always, we'll just, Smash through it. So, (laughs) who are they? Let's get in. Who are they? Who are they? They are the militant arm of the ecclesiarchy and spiritual warriors of the Imperium, descended from the daughters of the Emperor, which we'll be talking about in a bit, and Mm. arguably the most devout of all the soldiers of the Imperium. Uh, So they're known as the Adeptus Soritas. They can be also known as Mm -hmm. the, the Sisterhood or commonly the Sisters of Battle. That's what a lot of people know them as. Uh, They -hmm. seek out the enemies of the Emperor and uphold the Imperial Creed with their wars of faith, Uh, Mm. the best kind of wars, and uh, lead in the charge against the Heretic, the Psyker, and the Mutant. But also, this includes Xenos armies as well, if the fight Mm. dictates it. So, basically, before dropping to battle, the big, you know, loud hymnals will be blasted through the atmosphere, you know, calling for repentance upon all the heretics down <laughs> below, followed by the increased chanting of the sisters. Um, and you've basically, after that, you got exorcist missiles firing down with holy balls of fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Retrievee squads firing their heavy bolters, Seraphim launching into the air, cannonesses you know directing the killing blows and leading the charge above the sound of battle. So uh, mm. after that the battle sisters themselves march towards the enemy either by foot or transport mowing down their enemies yep. with bolter fire. We got dominion squads rushing the flanks to deliver the purifying fire or they're using their melter weapons whatever uh, they choose. Um, basically, between the ranks, the, the most zealot of all charge through. This is like the preachers, your crusaders, your death cult assassins, mm. uh, arco flagellants uh, slashing through the enemy. You've got the Repentia getting stuck in to atone for their failure with the blood of their enemy which is such a lovely thing, uh, with the various <laughs> walkers smashing and slashing through the lines. Um, in addition to, obviously, their passion and the discipline that they show, uh, the Soratas bring their faith to walk through fire. You know, they can dodge attacks, finding the weak spots, mm. as if it was a miracle. <laughs> uh, so the, <laughs> these uh, these freak occurrences even make the uh, tech priest pause for thought. But, obviously, the sisters, this comes as no surprise, because... Yeah, you know, this is their belief showing through. Um they start their training via the uh, schola Proge- uh, progenium oh get a bloody word out progenium. <laughs> as uh as orphans. Uh basically most serve in the Adeptus Terror, but those who with uh, resolve, you know, end up showing or so say joining the Soratas. Obviously it's one part of the ecclesiarchy, obviously you've got the cardinals and such like who are in charge of maintaining the faith, but then turn the sisters are maintaining the sort of sanctity of the faith so to speak Mm. so no mercy or opportunity is given just annihilate so Mm. outside battle they devote themselves to you know things like prayer as you'd expect you they obviously their training which is mainly led by the canoness in charge of them uh obviously they take great sort of you know importance in maintaining their war gear fit keeping themselves physically conditioned as this is in equal parts as important as the faith that they're showing as well um but also you know war is not just about destroying the heretic but also reinforcing their territory through the parts of the galaxy Mm -hmm. using like mobile battle chapels invasion um forces and you know basically using fire and holy water to uh to mm. deal with the enemies uh, and then in turn they then purge the area of heresy cleansing it for weeks or even months in some cases bringing in these sort of holy fortresses to come down to take the land uh once the last of it is burnt the sisters move on to carry on the word of the emperor so
2: nice. yeah that's how
0: things yeah. kicking off
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, So, the word of the Emperor specifically, of course, is the Imperial Creed, uh, which is the one and only official religion of the Imperium of Man. Uh, There are several, and by several I mean several thousand interpretations, because the Imperium's (laughs) a really big place, and, you know, communication isn't perfect between the planets, uh, so there's always going to be a little bit of variance from world to world, or at the very least from system to system. Uh, But, you know, small differences in dogma and rites are acceptable. Significant deviance will be met with punishment, because that's heresy, um, as is the way. (laughs) Um, Now, to be fair, before the God Emperor was slain and put upon the Golden Throne, a lot of people already thought he was a god, because uh, imagine you're a tribesman, this guy comes floating down out of the sky in golden armour with a a legion of super-soldier angels... (laughs) and then, you know, magically lifts your civilization forward 10,000 years technologically and says, now you're part of the star, the star country, (laughs) the country across the entire galaxy. (laughs) Like, People, people thought he was a god before this, um, but after the Horus Heresy, when um, he was interred upon the Golden Throne, uh, worship of him became a lot more prevalent, because uh, basically everyone saw it as a big self-sacrifice, because by being interred on the Golden Throne, he powers the Astronomican, allowing safe travel through the warp, etc., uh, and be, basically becoming the guiding beacon for humanity. Um, so there was a lot of adoration and worship going on, uh, but there was also a lot of fear, because Horus was the most devoted son of the Emperor, and he fell to uh, heresy and tra- mm. treachery and chaos and all these things. Uh, so prophets appeared all over the galaxy decrying their opponents as heretics, saying they knew the true way of the emperor. Um, and, you know, as the the best of them, the most willful and charismatic of them amassed more and more followers and sort of began the, the, the beginnings of this religion, of the Imperial Creed. Uh, and eventually one cult emerged supreme, the Temple of the Saviour Emperor. Uh, This cult was initially founded on terror, but it had sort of, at this point, spread all across the galaxy and through all levels of Imperial society, uh, to the point that if you didn't do what they say and, you know, worship the way they did, um, they didn't have to, like, outright destroy you, they could just say, for example, hey this planetary governor doesn't believe in our version of the truth of the emperor. Uh, so they're just not going to get a vital food supply shipment that's meant to be coming (laughs) their way. So we'll just divert that to this planet. Um, and you know, if you're just a random, random person and you don't show enough faith, your overseer, who's a member of this cult might assign you to the, uh, work duty with the highest mortality rate, or they might just lynch you. Um, in a lot of cases, there's a lot of burning, a lot of hangings going on. It was, um, Hey guys, 40k universe not a nice place to be. Nope. Not a, not a, not a great depiction of religion. Um, I would say an accurate depiction of religion at certain points in history, but <laughs> hmm, these are these are our quote unquote protagonists from most people's perspectives. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> uh, so there were there were two specific groups that were sort of left alone by the cult uh, by the temple of the Savior Emperor, which were the cult mechanicus. Uh, because they needed them, and the Adeptus Astartes, because they needed them. Uh, it's hard to convince Space Marines uh, to come over to your way of thinking. They know what they—they they know their truth about the Emperor. You know, he's not a god, but we are his angels, etc., etc. The Cult Mechanicus, the Omnisire is apparently the Emperor. It's close enough, good enough. Please fix all these things that need fixing. Um, <laughs> essentially. The two two special classes given autonomy because they are required for the functioning of society in uh, in the Imperium. Um, and nowadays, uh, now that's all been formalized and sort of just become another branch of the government. The Adeptus Ministorum, also known as the Ecclesiarchy, uh, is basically the governmental body through which the Imperial Creed is disseminated to the people, and its practices are monitored. Uh they have these legions of preachers, confessors confessors, missionaries and cardinals overseeing worship in every temple across the uh Imperium. And you know, they're they're very vigilant. And make sure that everyone shows proper zeal as well as, you know, just showing up to church. You've also got to pray with the correct amount of hatred in your heart uh, for the Xenos scum. Otherwise, you're obviously some kind of heretic. uh, Because, (laughs) man, uh, this is just an awful place to live. Um, And it is basically impossible to escape the influence of the ecclesiarchy. Everywhere you go, there is a temple of some kind. You know the most important places are cathedrals. There's these armor glass windows that are so big that the uh, the stained glass figures in them can be seen from low orbit, like all kinds of turned up to fifteen on the uh, on the scale of one to ten stuff. Um, <laughs> and you know uh, even the even death worlds and asteroidal mining stations have shrines and temples that report back to the ecclesiarchy as a whole on the actions of the inhabitants of these places. They are literally, literally a galaxy-wide organization within the Imperium, Mm -hmm. Uh, and they've been guiding servants of the Emperor and general citizens of the Imperium for thousands of years uh they have rid the Imperium of demagogues and firebrands of every kind. Uh and beneath the ecclesiarchal Palace on Terra there are miles and miles of twisting catacombs housing the records of uh essentially the virtuous deeds of priests of the ecclesiarchy. Um so you, you know, like the the catacombs beneath Paris that hold all those bones. Imagine that but covering most of a continent and it's just filled with books saying and on this day Saint Lucius of, of the light did this thing to root out the heretic, or that thing to, you know, you know, really hammer in the faith to the local populace. Um, and deeper into this, a full day's walk from the nearest secret entrance, there are chronicles of Lord Van Dyre and other false prophets kept under guard. Even further in is the Vault of Origins, which is a holy chamber whose location and methods of access are only known to Ecclesiarchs, which is essentially like the High Lord level within a... Uh, within the ecclesiarchy, and their closest advisors, which is the essentially the original records from the cult, which is the Temple of the Saviour Emperor, so th- that is where they keep their essentially original copy of the Bible, um, which if I'm not wrong was written by Lorgar, it's not mentioned in here, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure Lorgar wrote the original, yep. the original creed that spawned all of this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but despite being such a vast and ever present entity, the Adeptus Ministorum does actually have to constantly assert its authority. Uh, there's constantly faithless uprisings, there's, you know, incursions of chaos corrupted people, there's Xenos incursions onto shrine worlds, uh, wherever possible, uh, basically the ecclesiarchy takes over the local planetary defense force, but sometimes that's not enough. Uh, who you gonna call? When it comes to heretics, uh, it's the heretic busters. It's the Adeptus Orortus. Um Yeah. That, that's cool. a rough overview of the Imperial Creed.
1: Yes.
0: Thank you very much. Right. Okay. Let's move into the age of apostasy. Is it I I apostasy? Apostasy. Apostasy. That's the word.
1: Yeah. Words. You
0: know, <laughs> things. Uh, basically, this is the 10-year period where the Imperium was being torn apart and the basically how the Adeptus uh, Sauritas was ended up being formed so key figure mm. Vandir he's uh very mm-hmm. m- much <laughs> part of this so uh, so basically he made himself the Ecclesiarch and the High Lord of the administratum back in the 36th millennium uh via the usual conventional methods murder blackmail mm. yep. you know yep. that sort of thing uh, which uh, yeah you know <laughs> That sort of thing, uh, and brought in what's known as the Reign of Blood, not, not the, uh, not the uh, track mm. by the heavy metal band Slayer, but, uh, <laughs> the Reign of Blood, um, which is the term used after this, where basically mm. where he was basically going mad with power at this point. Uh, this yeah. situation basically carried on for decades, uh, where he was becoming more and more deranged and the number of deaths the deaths and planets being destroyed was just severely ramping up. Uh this is the wrong person you want at the head of this organization. <laughs> um luckily at this point the what was known as the Confederation of Light from a planet called uh, Dimasar led by uh, Sebastian Thor, spread hope across this part of the Imperium so I the Rebel Alliance here turning up. Uh a force was uh, sent out by Dyer to uh take out the Confederation of Light to basically wipe them out and obviously bring Thor to uh, to justice at this point. But uh, luckily, a warp storm ended up destroying the <laughs> fleet. Uh, as these things happen, uh, arguably, was it the wrath of the Emperor? Who knows? Possibly. Uh, who, knows? who knows? Yeah, could have happened. <laughs> um, which obviously was good for the Confederation because this basically allowed them the chance to expand because uh, and obviously bring millions of them, to, you know, supporters together. Obviously, as well as, you know, talking about support, you had know, the uh, adepts from Mars, you got Space Marines and custodies ended up mm. joining the Confederation of Lighters or allying with them, I should say, uh, to mm. obviously take out Van Dyke, realising that this guy shouldn't be where he is. Uh, so obviously the plan was to attack the Ecclesiarchal Palace uh, and obviously use the custodies to take him out personally. So this is where the Daughters of the Emperor now... Uh, get involved. So basically Mm -hmm. uh, Van Dyre was, you know, far from defenseless in general, um, but he Mm -hmm. did find out that there was this warrior sect on the planet known as San Lior, um, who were completely devoted to the emperor. um, And he thought, oh, I'm going to pay them a visit. And then, uh, so basically in turn, he, they turned up, they didn't believe him as the, representate you know representative of the of the emperor um so he thought ah i've already got a plan in place for this so basically he uh, take or gets one of his guards to take out his last pistol and shoot him to show look you know if i survive i must be a representative mm. of the emperor and that's what happens you know he gets shot nothing happens to him uh, obviously the at this point the daughters of the emperor didn't realise that he was actually wearing a conversion field, because obviously they're in mm. a bit of a, so it's a backwater <laughs> planet, so to speak, so they mm. weren't really familiar with this. Uh they were so impressed, they, you know, they worshipped him um, and became his bodyguards. They were given lovely, shiny new weapons, and obviously, as you would imagine, with new weapons and all the martial training that they've been doing over the years, they were you know taking out the enemies of Vandir um, and even to the point where they took out the Holy Synod of the Ministorum and all the cardinals wow. when when they were planning a rebellion and decapitated them all, um, mm. which is lovely. Um, saying that though, the uh, you know this is where the attack happens against Van Dyer. Um So basically, Van Dyre's bodyguards, the, you know, the daughters of the Emperor, were holding fast against the attack on the on the palace. Uh, where the basically the outside of the palace was being destroyed you know by uh, all the bombardments but you know those defenders they were holding fast you know using the emperor's faith to uh to do that mm-hmm. uh, but this is where the custodians come in um being sneaky sneaky so basically they use <laughs> their knowledge of the palace and the surrounding areas to sneak their way in basically to get near where van Dy's chamber was um, and basically they were confronted by six of the of his uh, daughters the emperor's bodyguards uh, obviously mm. they wouldn't back down because obviously they're protecting you know what they truly believe is the emperor's representative and so the slowly thought right okay if you're not gonna you know listen to us we'll take you somewhere where you shouldn't really be going so basically mm. they used all the back back ways to take these daughters the emperor to the golden throne um as seems to be the case when anyone you know goes to the golden throne no one knows what actually happened but when they mm. came back out with fury in their eyes, they realised that they'd been deceived by Van Dyer and this isn't the way they should be doing things. So they stormed back to their leader, who's known as a, 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 a Alicia Dominica. Um, and so basically they sought out Van Dyer and uh, she gave a judgement. Now, one thing I must do at this point is read that judgement because I think it's actually quite mm. appropriate. So while I find the page and you know, if someone puts it in, oh, it's right, it's fine, don't need to put any lift music <laughs> in, I found it. So this is what she said to him. You have committed the ultimate heresy. Not only have you turned your back on the emperor and stepped from his light, you have profaned his name and almost destroyed everything. He has striven to build. You have perverted and twisted the path he has laid for mankind to tread. As your own decrees have seated, there can be no mercy for such a crime, no pity for such a criminal. I renounce your lordship. You walk in the darkness and cannot be allowed to live. Your sentence has been long overdue, and now it is time for you to die. So um, that is what she said to him, and she proceeded to cut his head off. So uh, <laughs> no more Van Dyer. So um, obviously now that he'd been dealt with, uh, the aftermath basically ended up with the rain of blood um you know keep going for a while because obviously you know the reign of blood itself had actually ended but the actual age itself you know took a while Mm. to sort things out because things were still a bit all over the place uh thor sebastian thor he became the new ecclesiarch he was acquitted from his trial Mm -hmm. uh obviously other changes made a very particular poignant one which is known as the decree passive uh so basically Mm. this is what thor's main thing was to do was to basically for the ecclesiarchy to give their military forces to the Astra Militarum and to the Imperial Navy. Um, but Mm -hmm. the daughters of the emperor were to stay and become basically the Adepta Sororitas as defenders of the faith. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Key bit of history there.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, but as an army defending the faith, the Adepta Sororitas obviously have to be very well organized because nothing's more ineffective than an army that doesn't know what to do with itself. Um, (laughs) So, necessarily, of course, the Adeptus are pretty sprawling in their size and structure. They are, again, an army that covers the galaxy and has to be able to respond to threats anywhere across the galaxy. Uh, And they basically, to deal with this, um, the Daughters of the Emperor were a single sect. Instead, the Sisters of Battle have multiple orders that arise across the galaxy, scattered around. Technically, the sitting ecclesiarch dictates their action, but in practice, it is the abbess sanctorum who is the highest-ranking sororitas who commands the overall sisterhood. Uh, there's a primary division between two great convents. Each convent is a physical shrine as well as an organizational structure. Um, essentially, it's a govern it's the governing central HQ. Um, for a lot of the sororitas, The convent, beg pardon, Sanctorum, is based on Ophelia 7, which is the oldest cardinal world. It has mile-high bell towers separated by rows of statues and dungeons that plunge deep into the bowels of the earth, where the tortured screams of blasphemers echo endlessly. Nice place. Um... Second in sanctity only, of course, to Holy Terror itself, where the convent Prioris is situated. Uh, This convent was built from the rubble of the ecclesiastical palace after it had been bombed to pieces during Vandier's uprising. Uh, And now its upper spires jut majestically into the upper atmosphere. Uh, They were both established by Sebastian Thor and are functionally identical, apart from some minor differences in religious observance. Um... Basically, this is part of a broader design. Uh, no single High Lord can command the entirety of the Adeptus or Oritas at once. Essentially, if you're requesting the use of them, you have to request through one of these two convents, and you can't request from both at once, uh, to attempt to stop any single person from gaining the power that Vandai had, effectively. Um, the Holy Synod on Terra, which is a... The Synod, charged with disseminating ecclesiastical law, was also similarly split into the Synod Ministra, uh, which works along the Convent Santorum, uh, and the other parts of it work alongside the Convent Prioris over on Terra. Um, they are divided into orders, each of which falls under one of these great convents. Uh, typically. A sister will remain in the same order her entire life, but it's not unheard for them to change from one order to another, especially when grievous injuries mean they can no longer perform combat duties. Uh, They are often retired to administrative or ceremonial duties. Uh, Every order has at least one sanctuary, which is basically a fortress monastery like a space marine has. It's just for slightly more religious purposes. Um, The bigger the order, the more sanctuaries they have dotted throughout the galaxy. Uh, The most widely known Orders are the Orders Militant, which are the Sisters of Battle proper. Um, These make up your battle sisters, the the general troops of uh, the Order. And they uh, dedicate themselves to achieving purity of spirit through martial perfection, following the doctrines and regimes of the Daughters of the Emperor. Uh, Although they are far outnumbered by the sheer scale of the Asher Militarum, they are the elite of the elite in terms of martial prowess. A novitiate of any of the Orders Militant can best... All but the most veteran guardsmen in single combat, while the mightiest sisters of battle are the equals of space marines in terms of martial skill and tenacity. Um, and where the bulk of the military might of the Imperium, the Asher Militarum, is sort of this motley jamming together of cultures and ideals and backgrounds, uh, the sisters of each order are bound together by the same faith and teachings, which makes them more organized and disciplined on the battlefield uh they are they, they they're all there for the same reason and that's to kick ass and chew through bolter ammunition like it's nothing and they're all that ass to kick so it's time <laughs> to time to hose them things down um essentially there are there are some differences in terms of rights between different orders but at, at the end of the day they're all they're all here to defend the faith uh and defend the imperium at large Uh, They have their their different techniques that they like. Uh, Certain Orders uh, favour what's known as the Advancing Conflagration, built on the March of Flame technique, used to incinerate Orcs on Armageddon. Um, But a lot of Orders base their practices on one of the six Matriarchs, who were those chosen warriors taken in to, to see the Golden Throne during the Reign of Blood. Um, alongside the Orders Militant, however, there are just a ton of non-militant orders. They are the Medical Orders, uh, Interpretations of Holy Texts and Xenos Communiques, uh, as well as uh, an order that instructs the Imperium's ruling elite on how to correctly implement and practice the Imperial Creed. Uh, these orders also have their own sanctuaries, uh, usually hidden away within hive cities or on shrine worlds, but the Sisters are found throughout the entire local sector. Uh, effectively fulfilling their duties and reporting back. They provide vital services and so they are usually welcomed into every tier of imperial society. Uh, and when it falls, when there's, there's a big substantial threat against mankind, the High Lords of Terror get to order a crusade. Uh, but the ecclesiarchy itself can also issue a call to battle, uh, and these are known as wars of faith. Uh, When it's declared, the Sorotos orders able to respond, send their finest troops to obliterate the heretics and sinners marked for death by the Ecclesiarch. Uh, Fleets of uh, Minnestorm vessels descend upon the area, uh, ferrying sisters and non-militant adjutants by their thousands into the war zones. Uh, And other servants of the Minnestorm join along, missionaries, crusaders, uh, death cultists... Uh, people who <laughs> own arcoflagellants, basically, everyone who wants to get in on this is allowed to come in and go burn some heretics. Um, you know, the most impassioned cults are roused to action and through tearful prayers, their members beseech the emperor for their chance to just lose their righteous fury upon the faithless. Uh, so essentially, it's, um, it's a, <laughs> it's a galaxy fleet sized mob (laughs) effectively (laughs) is what it is. (laughs) It's not the, as opposed to when the sisters work on their own, not so organized when a war of faith goes on, it's uh, everyone's in it for themselves in terms of, I really want to burn some heretics slash aliens.
0: (laughs) Cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we know what they get up to. Let's find Mm -hmm. out how they're uh, structured. So, Mm -hmm. um, um, again, this will be brief because obviously you'd actually have to physically see the uh, the actual chart yeah. to <laughs> to appreciate uh, this. But basically, like you know, like Cameron mentioned about the different orders, so so you've basically got orders in different areas of the galaxy, um, like chapters, and they the, but they, therefore they've got their own sort of traditions. But obviously, again, like chapters, they generally have the very similar sort of structure, you know, to keep things sort of coherent. So so basically, some of the orders have what's known as sub it was like subsidiary or sub sanctuaries which are basically known as preceptories um which is also the other terminology for the largest unit they can field which is about a 1000 sisters um and in mm. turn the canoness um that is in charge of these is known as the can a canoness preceptor so mm-hmm. um, orga- um orders uh, can basically organize their own fleet if um if they well, that's what they generally do. But they also will look to borrow from the Imperial Navy. They basically sort of second them for a mm. long time. <laughs> so they're taken, yeah. in quotes, yeah. they're borrowed from the the Navy, but they <laughs> you know they basically form part of it. Um, you have got the commanderies, uh, which are basically the smaller sanctuaries um, which fall under the preceptory. Uh so mm-hmm. that's sort of the base of the hierarchy So preceptory at the top, then you've got a commandery, uh, below it. Um so this is basically mm. sort of company level with basically up to mm. about two hundred sisters and in turn the canoness of those is known as a canoness commander, not a cobra commander. Mm. Um <laughs> and uh below that you've got a mission. Um, so basically a mission is a small group of squads uh, basically used to achieve a goal of some sort, sort of brought together. And in turn, they're mm. sort of generally led by a, a Palatine or a or so a low, sort of lower type of Canones. Um The non-militant orders, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, have a similar structure to that as well. Uh, and basically orders led by a canoness superior will out in turn... Outrank and order minoris canoness. So, in, yeah. you know, so even though you've got obviously militant and non militant, the militant is generally, well, I said, will outrank the non militant ones because I suppose that's their sort of primary objective. Mm. So, yeah. so yeah, so that's sort a little bit sort of hits about it really. Again, it sim- falls into a similar structure like you'd see when you look at, you know, like your space marine chapters and such like. Um, but mm. when they go to war, Cameron, they, yeah. uh, they need some weapons.
2: Oh, they do indeed. Um, So, yeah, uh, they follow the doctrines originally established by the the Daughters of the Emperor, which is namely, press the attack until the enemy are close enough that you can hear their dying screams for repentance. (laughs) Um, And to enable this, they bear war gear that gives them a lot of offensive and defensive capabilities, but doesn't hinder their mobility. These girls have to be always pressing forwards and advancing. Um, when the daughters were initially incorporated into the Midastorum, uh, they used a pretty primitive set of armaments, but that was soon enhanced to really, really take advantage of their deadly capabilities. Um, and now they are outfitted in power armor with armored vehicles. They're really, they really traded up since the days of where they used to have makeshift stub guns, incendiary devices, and scrounged laser weapons. Um, <laughs> Basically, they they cleave to a principle from the Daughters of the Emperors, which was to use a holy trinity of firepower against the unbeliever. Uh, So first amongst that is the bolt gun, representing the hand of the Emperor reaching out to condemn the heretic. Second is the flamer, signifying the Emperor's purifying word. And finally is the melter gun, which fires beams of superheated energy that symbolize the Emperor's penetrating gaze. Um... (laughs) This is actually I like that symbol as so that's very cool. Um, there's there's va- a lot of variant variants to these weapons. You got you know melter guns and phono pistols, multi melters. All that kind of level of different di- varying levels of what it is are uh, and every possible kind is used by the sisters battle because they love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> They are supplied by Mars, uh, and when the Daughters of the Emperor moved to Terra, uh, High Lord Vandir made a treaty with the Fabricator General at the time that uh, his his service would be put supplied in perpetuity uh, by Mars. So, uh, effectively, even though Vandir was declared a heretic, the Martians went, well, contract's still on, keep making bolt guns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then it was reaffirmed later by Sebastian Thor, and every Ecclesiarch after that has essentially re-signed it to make sure they keep getting power armor and nice weapons out of uh, the forges of Mars. Mm -hmm. Um, And by by the words of this treaty, they know that the adepts of the Omnissiah are true servants of the Emperor, despite their unusual faith. Uh, every, piece, yeah, no, every piece of war gear, however, is first taken either to the Convent Prioress on Terra or to the Convent Sanctorum on Ophelia 7. And there, these items are blessed by choirs in rites that can last days or even weeks. Uh, weapons are daubed in sacred oils and polished with cloths that have been touched by saints. Every bolt and chainsaw tooth is inscribed with hymns from the uh, from the Fader Imperialis. To ensure that its path and bite is true. Especially uh, specialty war gear does, uh, that's gonna be wielded by a cannoness could be sprinkled with a blood from the font with blood from the font of martyrs, so they have like a fountain filled with blood of people who've died heroically. And if it's a really good weapon they dip it in there to make sure it's perfect. <laughs> um <laughs> And then, if they're being extra special, they'll actually put it in the crypts with all the fallen saints until it's uh, essentially until its wielder comes along to get it. Uh, and a sister typically will make a pilgrimage to the great convent of her order to get her war gear. And basically, these rituals bind her soul to her armaments, uh, and they operate as one. So this this is that machine spirit idea that permeates a lot of imperial dogmas that you've got to treat these things right. And, you know, respect their spirit, their soul. And if the two of you are as one, perfect, efficient firepower will be achieved. Um, <laughs> it's not always the case that this works. Uh, during an ongoing campaign, they might need to rearm by taking up the weapon of a fallen comrade, but each order understands that using another sister's weapon is a blessing, allowing the fallen warrior to fight on, even though the emperor has already taken her soul to heaven. Mm. I love it. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's great, <isn't>
0: it? <laughs> Right. Okay. So we've spoken about these orders, but let's actually go into mm-hmm. a bit more depth about them. So let's yep. uh, start with the 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 uh, the bigger orders. So we'll start with the mm. uh, the poster girls. That, mm. Yeah. I suppose yeah. that will be yeah. the poster girls. Uh, so this is the order of our martyred lady. So basically, this is the. Biggest and most spread out order uh, throughout the galaxy. Uh, basically, they're known mm. f- throughout for their pursuit of the enemies of the Emperor and providing hope for the righteous. Ah, bless mm. them. One of the original <laughs> orders. Um, so they were one of the original orders, and they were uh, was called the Order of the Fiery Heart. They were basically formed when the uh, Sisters of the Convent Sanctorum uh, basically split into this order and the Valorous Heart Order. So. The, so they got split into mm. these two: so Fiery Heart and Valorous Heart. So Fiery Heart was led by Catherine, one of the six uh, six matriarchs in the presence of the Golden Throne. Many years prior, um, she was in turn second in command to Alicia Dominica, who we mentioned I mentioned earlier. Um, and i already at this point, Catherine had already led lots of uh, wars of faith. Um, unfortunately, mm. she was killed during one of these wars. Um, yep it's mostly rumour or bad information as, o- as always, these gray areas, oh, gray areas. Um, but, uh, she is rumoured she was, uh, killed by the witch cult of Menentus. Uh, but no information was given of how, uh, the Soratas mm. in general mourned, you know, the loss of Catherine because it was a big part of their force. Um, but the fiery heart brought together, uh, brought themselves together to basically get vengeance on her behalf, and in turn mm-hmm. they changed their name to the uh, Order of Our Martyred Lady. They then changed to black armor in, as in, uh, mm-hmm. to mourn her as well. Uh, the yeah. red sort of parts of their armor came in after the uh, Third War for Armageddon. So interesting little mm-hmm. fact there. Um, as you'd expect, they bring the passion and fire of Catherine to wipe out their enemies, but also use her teaching, which was derived originally from the daughters of the emperor so they based, so they're very hot on their military tactics and be able to sort of switch them on the fly so to speak mm-hmm. um the the sort of the cult of martyrdom and you know this concept of dying for the emperor is very ingrained particularly in this order um to the point to others when they're looking at this particular order, they sort of looks like they, all these sisters have got a death witch ba- basically. Um, so, you know, that so in turn this sort of leads to like single sisters defying the odds, you know, where they're backed into a corner or you've got sisters praising noble deaths because basically they, you know, in turn this somehow brings miracles uh, to them via the will of the emperor. So they sort of, you know, they're so, so about dying for the emperor that in turn, you know, they believe he helps them mm. out and they get out of these yeah. dire situations. Um, <laughs> so in turn, as well, they do praise other imperial forces who die in homage to the, to the, mm. uh, the emperor. Cause this sort of again in, is sort of ingrained in them from there. cause basically, cause Catherine, their matriarch, was a, a shield, a shield bearer for Domin- mm. for Alicia Dominica. They're sort of, they're very much about, you know, protecting others. So they sort of, she, that's mm. what she did before she died. And to the point that the, even the word, the words of the fallen Imperial forces that they ally with are added mm. to the, their hymns and such like. So they're very respectful Aww. for, you know, others yeah. that die um, with them. Um, so, as you'd imagine, being the biggest, they've got many sanctuaries around the uh, around the mm. galaxy. Some are in isolation, um, and some are even from the time of when Catherine was actually alive. So they've been around a long time. Mm. Um, most of them are in the Segmentum Obscurus, uh, which has basically led to them fighting, in obviously, in lots of different war zones, including defending against Thracker on Armageddon, mm. yeah. basically where half the sisters were killed. But, you know, this defence ended up stemming the tide for that particular battle. Uh, they've also fought in the 13th Black Crusade in helped defend Kadia Again, obviously that was a bad result for them in the end, but they, they played their part. Uh, but, you know, obviously in sort of modern times now, they basically stand dauntless, you know, despite being split apart by the Great Rifts, because I said, it is for their order, it's really split them apart. But they are rolling with it, so to speak.
2: <laughs> mm, yeah. Alrighty, uh, our next order on the list, what's behind door number two? It's the Order of the Valorous Heart. Um, so these, this is an order that really adheres to Stoicism and Forbearance as their key sort of doctrines. Uh, they were founded by Lucia, one of Dominica's companions who is said to be a con- paragon of Constancy, uh, the level-headed point to Catherine's Burning Passion. Uh, this force, however, is not a defensive force by any means. They are very aggressive, uh, and in particular specialised in sort of just plunging themselves into the most horrific possible sieges in the worst possible conditions. Uh, and they, they're effective in grinding away at the enemy, but this also serves as a form of penance. Uh, the oldest manuscript of Lucius' teachings explains that the Adeptus Oratas will always carry the burden of atonement for supporting Goge van Dyer. Uh, and this is their way of atoning for that, is going into really messed up war zones and just fighting for months <laughs> at a time. Um, Lucia was martyred at the hand of a recidivist sect. Uh, she was captured and tortured for months um, and was forced to listen to thousands of other people being tortured to death. Um, and unknown to her, a group of her sisterhood were amongst the people killed, but apparently none of those Sisters of the Valorous Heart made a single sound so as not to cause Lucia any additional suffering during her martyrdom. Um, once she died, uh, the sect claimed that they shattered her resolve, and over the following decade, the Order tracked down and captured every last member of the sect, and no one knows what happened to them. They just kind of... They didn't display any bodies. They, they just announced, you know, it's over. We've cleansed the cult. Um, but they have a constant contingent of sisters hospitaler, uh, which has been permanently seconded to them, that specializes in the, uh, the power of life extension through juvenile treatments and stuff like that. Um, the implication being all those guys are still alive, held captive and being tortured forever underneath their chapels, <laughs> which is messed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. And so th- this example set by Lucia in her life and martyrdom really affects how they work uh, as a combat unit. Uh, they always pray for the strength to endure rather than the strength to overcome uh, and begin by launching offensives to cut off supply routes and lines of retreat and essentially boxing in um the enemies then just blasting them to pieces. Uh, they favor retributors and exorcists as well as their primary sort of siege weapons and squads. Uh, and essentially they transform bit by bit, the battlefield into a desert of rubble and glass. Um, just kind of, oh, they really excel in this kind of hardship. Um, no matter what they keep pressing forward slowly, steadily until it just crushes the enemy morale. And then they break them. Um, they, yeah, as I said, they have more Exodus and Retributor squads because they essentially specialize in establishing a long-range firebase to allow all these sisters to just essentially calmly walk towards the walls, um, as they shell, as they shell the defenders, um, and they, they say that they can feel the beating of Lucia's heart in the lightning fast that are bolt shells which is a pretty cool idea um and they almost all bear gruesome scars because they put themselves in the worst possible situations because they are religious zealots um and they see stigmata and torn flesh as a badge of honor because it reminds them of the suffering of their matriarch uh if they lose an eye they're considered particularly blessed because Lucia's eyes were gouged out when she was tortured (laughs) so they're like you're 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 closer to the matriarch it's a miracle It's a blessing that you were shot in the face like that. (laughs) Um, And they also refuse to accept anesthetics uh, even when surgery and amputation is required to treat their wounds because to accept anesthetics would deny the fact that faith can overcome all suffering. Um, (laughs) Yeah. They have to memorize The Passion of St. Lucia, which is a 555 verse hymn uh, recounting (laughs) her martyrdom and then uh, essentially recite it while burning their hands over open flames and cutting themselves with chain swords to show their, like, resolve to not cry out and <laughs> interrupt the flow of the story. Yeah, these guys are, hey, did you know religious zealots are messed up? Because wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and the bulk of their sanctuaries are in the Ultima Segmentum, and a ton of them were basically either in the Imperium Nihilus or inside the Great Rift um when that happened but the orders not wavered at all and those in the Imperium Nihilists still believe that the emperor watches their struggles. Uh they refer to it as the hour of abasination because the Imperium Nihilus has been blinded just like Saint Lucia mm. was. Mm. Uh but just like her they've steeled themselves to endure whatever torments may be visited upon them.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: Right. Nice. They're radical. <laughs> They really are. Uh, This trend carries on. Um, So now we've got the the Order of the Bloody Rose um, as a clue in the title. This order is all about killing rather than saving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So their matriarch was uh, Saint Mina. Uh, known for her, you know, deep and brooding nature, so she was the the champion of Alicia Dominica, uh, basically defending terror against uh, Thor's invasion, which we spoke about earlier. Uh, Rumoured to have fought the Custodian leader before a truce truce was given. Um, obviously tying in with that, uh, where they're outside his chamber before being taken to the Golden Throne. Uh, so basically, the, the Order revere her for her martial virtues that's their sort of key thing to them uh, they were basically formed in mid 38th millennium um, after their matriarch's death and about two and a half thousand years after the initial order foundings um, basically she le- led the guard of the Adeptus Soritas uh, um and became an order from this, um, bloody by name, um, definitely <laughs> in the title. So their first war was, uh, sent to the, uh, Niflim sector to deal with the Sineshi, um, pain cult, uh, and basically they turned yeah. them into tortured worlds. Um, so, So when they were sent there, basically afterwards the hospitals, hospitals, um, from the Order of Serenity and the dialogue of uh the Order of the Quill were sent in to sort of wrap things up. Basically, Mm. only death was found as they basically went from planet to planet, but even to the point where basically the prisoners were still in the dungeons. The sisters were so in like so focused on killing enemies they weren't even getting (laughs) getting the prisoners (laughs) out. Um the Canoness Superior, um to uh to uh was basically at this point um who was known to be who later became saint uh Mari, basically penned what was known as the thorn treaties uh mm. using the blood of the fallen sisters that on that planet to basically document the events of this uh and obviously to show that basically mercy comes with anger and that's mm. their sort of again one of their key traits so uh basically they're taught to harbor their hatred to basically sort of you know keep it in check and then absolutely unleash it um so in in turn they they shout their prayers in training rather than Mm. you know where some of the orders like to whisper them um Mm. that's as again as part of this training they're taught tales of heresy to basically piss them off <laughs> um To so sort of, to, you know, to unleash their hatred, like I said, only when it's needed, because obviously, again, it's a sin to do otherwise. So it's a, so they're in, like I said, they're in a bit of a conflict really, because they're basically being sort of, you know, taught to hate and then, but then, oh, don't, no, don't, 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 don't use it yet. Use it only when necessary. So again, this sort of bloodiness mm. sort of applies in war. Uh, they use sort of basically weight of fire and, and tactics to basically make the enemies become overstretched. And then in turn, they'll smash through their lines when they're close enough. You know, bring, that's when they, so they release their hatred and anger. Spilling mm. innards with swords, smashing skulls with gun stocks, punches, kicks, elbows, oh. anything, anything <laughs> goes for these sisters, uh, mm. point b- point blank bolt pistols, and you know everything really. They <laughs> like say they don't they don't hold back. Mm. Um, they sort of truly believe that Frosty is the will of the Emperor, um, mm. to the point that they will even glow red with bloods, um, sorry tears of blood, in, in wow. you know they're, when they're so enraged in battle, um, using the lightning speed that's sort of given to them. It's basically where they truly believe that Saint Mina is sort of inside them. You know her her soul. Mm. Yeah. um they've cleansed many worlds including hydrafer um uh, which is where saint mina was martyred uh it's rumored that she was attacked by servants of corn while she was being while mm. she was doing um some prayer uh her body was discovered surrounded by enemy corpses uh, and that has led to their mm. basically their logo the bloody rose symbol is cro- is basically <laughs> cross blades with dripping blood Nice. Um, and so sort of again, <laughs> now to, to uh, sort of current day, some of their forces have been committed to the Great Rift, but mostly, uh, most of their forces are fighting in the Galactic South. Basically, uh, they've been fighting High Fleet Leviathan, High Fleet Hydra, Gene seal cults, and some of the Thousand Suns from the Cult of Duplicity. Mm. So,
2: yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's them. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, next up is the Order of the Ebon Chalice, who sort of aspire to be the perfect uh, perfect example of a Sister of Battle. Um, so they were actually the first of the Order's militant to be created, which I find really interesting, because these are not mm. the uh, the flagship Order the Order of no, the not, Lady no. Is Yeah, uh, they were founded by Alicia Dominica, who slew Vandier, and um, they basically quickly established themselves as the exemplar against which all other Orders must be measured. Uh, Dominica herself was the military and spiritual head of the entire Adeptus Sororitas, and the sisters of her order display spiritual and martial discipline that is second to none, with fortitude matched only by the depth of their faith. Uh, they cleave unerringly to the doctrines of the Daughters of the Emperor, with the only allowable changes being using more modern weaponry. <laughs> um, and, yeah, um, they, they do it by the book to the letter. Um, Essentially, they dedicated themselves while all the other orders initially founded were out in the galaxy, expanding the Imperium's borders, burning heretics out there. They dedicated themselves to safeguarding Terra and Segmentum Solar. And sort of planet by planet, system by system, they expanded, rooted out cults, uh, you know, burned out mutant conclaves. and and restored shrine worlds that had fallen to Xenos invasions step-by-step across, out from Holy Terror itself, basically. Um, And they managed to expose scores of planetary governors and militarum officers who did not conform to the exact letter of the Imperial (laughs) Creed. Uh, And preachers and confessors were called upon to make examples of these traitors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they... they, um, yeah, when I say by the book, they mean to the letter, to the line, no, <laughs> no, no difference allowed, um, very discriminatory, these um, laws. <laughs> during the early Wars of Faiths, uh, Dominica herself carried an item called the Grail of Ages, uh, which is a goblet of black stone, not that black stone, just black <laughs> stone, two separate words although it might be, uh, that was created to be the embodiment of her communion with the Emperor. Little's known about it in the Parrot Holds, but a few accounts uh, give details between the miraculous and the heretical. Ecclesiarchal scribes wrote that when she poured out its contents, the God Emperor's voice boomed, and with a single word shattered an entire army and well-guarded records from the Astra Telepathica show instances in which every Psyker on a planet burst into flames when the Matriarch of the Ebon Chalice set foot on the battlefield carrying this thing. (laughs) Um, This thing, uh, whatever it is, it's messed up. Um, It's also believed that uh, the tale of it is recorded within the Black Library and perhaps even within the Book of Magnus. Um, Mm. Yeah. The Sisters themselves don't speak about its powers, but always uh, say that it symbolises their sacred duty and eternal burden, that they are the bearers of the secrets learnt by Dominica before the Golden Throne, and are the vessels of the God Emperor's holy wrath uh, and truth. Um, They always seek to destroy any texts concerning the Grail and immolate whoever writes them as heretics. So the idea is this order may not be prominent potentially because it knows too much and they don't want to be prominent. Like it's the dark. You know angels. How said, yeah. Yeah. They're the dark angels of the sisters of battle. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know how you said, no one knows what happened in the golden throne with the six mm. matriarchs. Mm-hmm. These guys do know, and it's, they ain't talking about it. Oh no. um, <laughs> uh, man. Um, eventually Alicia Dominica was martyred in the scourging of frites, world. Frida's Vida's world. Uh, there's no way to pronounce that in a serious yeah. manner. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and not since the passing of Sebastian Thor had the bell tower of the Ecclesial Palace tolled so dolefully. Uh, her martyrdom essentially left a massive gap in the adeptus oratoris because she was the abbess at the time, the literally the the leader of the entire organization. And eventually, a dialogus from the Order of the Holy Word, Sister Palmero, was chosen by her peers and begrudgingly accepted because she knew she couldn't live up to it which is why they all knew she was the correct choice, essentially. Um, and after that, the Order has continually striven to embody Dominica's perfection in everything they do. Um, they do have sisters waging wars of faith across the galaxy, but they have always maintained a force within the Segmentum Solar itself, combating gross nonconformity with Flame and Blade. Again, religious <laughs> zealots, not great people. Um <laughs> Uh, And they view themselves as first amongst the Sorotas that everyone else has to try and emulate. Um, Mm -hmm. And whenever sisters lapse in their faith, the Ebon Chalice are the ones that are called to bring judgment upon them. So any, any traitorous sisters essentially have this order come after them. Whew. Um, since the Great Rift opened, they've been subject to untold horrors, just like everyone else. Um, they've essentially defended Segmentum Solar, in particular, um, several arms of the Black Legion that have attempted to slaughter their way to Holy Terror itself have been repelled. Uh, but the, the Order is, uh, is feeling, feeling the strain. Um, they've lost a lot of sisters, and although there's a constant stream of new recruits, Only the best of the best end up in the Ebon Chalice, and so they're they're feeling feeling the strain. It's getting a little tight-stretched across all these battlefields, but they're not broken yet. Every single one of them is an expert and a true veteran amongst all Sororitas. (laughs) um, The most honored of them are even entrusted with a portion of the Hallowed Truth learnt in the Chamber of the Golden Throne. So, yeah, they're dark angels, basically. Yeah, I was going to say. God, they're they're cool. Love them. Uh (laughs) They're so
0: awesome. (laughs) Very cool indeed. Right, okay, let's move on to the Order of the Argent Shroud. So this is Mm. the speedy order <laughs> so this is um so they were basically um from matriarch Silvana. she was the first martyred and of these and uh basically the quite mysterious of uh dominica's bodyguards so basically after the ebon chalice was founded Silvana basically took over the remainder uh but but unfortunately she died before a single war uh had happened mm. so it's rumored that she had been poisoned by a death cult assassin uh, or it's also speculated it could have been a loyal Vantyre agent or even the Alpha mm. Legion, maybe. Mm. Who knows?
1: Yeah,
0: um, who knows. So basically, but the, the Order themselves believe that the assassin was for Dominica. Uh, and obviously with Silvana basically sacrificing herself like she would have done, you know, in life and, and such like. So mm. it's basically said that after this, that her body um, disappeared after seven days. From the inner sanctum mm. of the convent prioris, basically, where a death shroud of silver, of a, where basically her bones had been, um, mm. uh, was left. Hence, that's where their name comes from. So, yep, she disappeared after seven days. Um, so their, their real beliefs is action over words. So, like their matriarch, where little is said, uh, the order don't really speak much. Um, they're very much into their long silences, but, you know, it doesn't stop them from sort of chanting and praying and things like that. But their sort of Mm -hmm. belief is we'd rather show the emperor what we can do rather than ask for his help. Yeah. Sort of their sort of belief um so basically in battle they they don't pre-agree tactics especially with mm. other forces which annoys them um <laughs> so uh because again their belief is that the emperor will guide them so they don't need mm. to bother with tactics and things like that ultimately they're still smashing through enemies like i said they're all very much about swift attack quick withdraw to then smash you know with a quick attack again that's all very much their mm. sort of uh, style um obviously what, with what comes with that is over commitment from their perspective. So obviously, what that can lead to is where they're basically end up, their sisters end up being cut away from or cut off from support. Um, but in times of like that, they use the power of their saint to basically give them protection, uh, and fight against the odds, you know, throwing last ditch saves in. Um, like I said, mm. they defy the odds, which in, in sort of cahoots basically to f- sort of confuses imperial records because obviously, from their mm. perspective, they can't understand how they survive <laughs> half the time. So, yeah. like an example is the Gaia Crusade, uh, which was fought on Devos Prime, where basically for they fought for a year, and all they had at the end of it was minimal losses, and they are taken down three iron warrior warpsmiths in that time and said imperial records wow. are a bit confused by that um, <laughs> because of their tactics they're very they're some of the best shock troops uh in the orders around as you'd imagine so they've got large amounts of dominion squads to bake sort of break through the lines and infiltrate bunkers mm. and things like that. Um, so basically their dominions are often the leaders of the rites of worship as well. So they're sort of, they're given a sort of bit more prestige in this particular order. Um, mm. They've also got a peculiar way that they deal with their dead uh, compared to some of the other orders and, um, so they, they're sort of very true, sort of, but again, as I said earlier, they're very much about sight being silent. So they're, mm. so rather than crying out when one of their sisters dies, which a lot of what the other orders would do, they, they remain silent. Um, cause mm. they see that martyrdom is a privilege to them, to, or to to everyone. Um, so, but they end up mourning the dead by basically cleaning them up. They put them in a the sanctity for, um, for about seven days, and then what happens after that is unknown. Again, it's it's that same situation where stuff happens Mm. after seven days, and no one knows what goes on. Keep those secrets. Um, So... Most of the sanctuaries um are around the Great Rift where and basically when the when the Great Rift when the Noctus Eterna basically ended up cutting off the astronomican. Uh many of the worlds lost about yeah, sorry, many of the worlds that they lost took about eighty percent of their order with them. So they're wow. only down to about twenty percent. They're a very small order compared to what they used to be. Uh they still fight on regardless, obviously especially against the forces of chaos. So, you know, despite being, you know down on their numbers they're still mm. giving it to chaos at the <laughs> moment
2: <clears throat> cool yeah okay Well, coming along to the order of the sacred rose who are the faithful sisters uh yes i know they're all faithful but these are the really <laughs> faithful ones um they are more devout than any other order they are the conduits of the emperor's divine will Uh, Their order teaches that victory comes from faith and faith alone. If a warrior has enough faith, she can command the stars to consume her enemies and the Emperor will make it so. Uh, And they make war based upon this level of belief. Um, Even when one of them falls, they know that this too is part of the Emperor's plan. A single martyr can spark a fire in a thousand souls, giving rise to an inferno of faith that can never be extinguished. Um, and they, in particular, embody devout serenity, um, like their matriarch, Arabella, who is renowned for her calm nature in the face of horror, and was the most even-tempered of Alicia Dominica's guards. Um, she was instrumental in the negotiations between Dominica and the custodians who led them to the Golden Throne, and subsequently earned the honorific of the Liberator, seeking to break the shackles of fear and doubt that bind the faithful. Um... Though she was a formidable combatant, uh, she her true strength was basically the abundance of miracles that happened around her. There are stories of heretics imploding into lumps of smouldering flesh when she looks at them, or having their eyes melt from their faces as they looked at her. <laughs> um, yeah, she was she was one of those saints, old school. Yeah. <laughs> um, and interestingly, she was only canonised posthumously, uh, but she performed countless miracles throughout her lifetime. Uh, The circumstances around her martyrdom are not recorded in any text, but in the 38th millennium, the Order of the Sacred Rose was founded in her name. Uh, Ecclesiarch Deacis VI formed the Order from Sisters from Convent Prioris, And through the Wars of Faith, they brought light to areas previously thought lost to the darkness, freeing planets from the yoke of heretical tyrants, tyrants, cabals of Xenos mystics being hunted down, and sanctuaries were established to serve as outposts of divinity in the most remote corners of the Imperium. Uh, They forged a sizable parish in the Ultima Segmentum, but like their matriarch, they spread their faith across the entire galaxy. Uh, And when they go to war, they do it in a state of holy grace, uh sort of moving in perfect harmony, adapting fluidly to the battle, uh, unleashing the holy trinity of firepower with discipline. And as they do so, they sing continuously, a choral worship that is meant to drown out the screams of the heretics and mutants they're slaying. Um, There's actually a psalm included here, which I'm pretty sure is set to um, the tune of... uh, Was it Grapes of Rav? So, you know, his light doth shine where hearts be open and spirits <laughs> call and near. Lo, in glory do the faithful serve witness and revere. Emperor, your might resoundeth over their imperium. the shield, not sin, nor schism. Uh, yeah, I'm nice. pretty sure that's what it's meant to be set to. Because um, it really <laughs> feels <laughs> like, like it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Uh, basically, as they're singing, they're still pretty vicious. They press the attack wherever there's enemy weakness, blasting gaps with frag grenades and melter beams. And where, wherever the foe's strong, they stand firm, locking ranks to crush assaults and cut down onrushing attackers. Um, they are indomitable in their faith. They, more than any other order, you know, perform these miraculous bursts of speeds while nearby foes spontaneously combust. Um literally people burst into flames around them. Nice. Uh and through the through all of this, the Emperor's Providence uh assures them this ineffable serenity as they slaughter everything around them. Uh and different to a lot of other orders, like I know I said Wars of Faith are basically a mob these guys, no matter what they're doing, are a mob. Even if they're not on a war of faith specifically, ecclesiarchal followers and their conclaves flock to them, eager to witness the miracles that are so common around them. Uh, a single course of Sirotus may be supported by many devotees of the imperial cult, and canonesses of the Order welcome these faithful auxiliaries. Uh, you know, basically saying the emperor has the power to act through the least of his servants. Arabella herself was known to gather the unwashed rabble to her banner, and the power of her conviction was said to transform them into armies of indomitable warriors. Uh, Since the Great Rift tore open, basically this ability to gather people together has become super useful. With lines of communication broken, ships unable to transport themselves through the warp, um, and most of this order's sanctuaries lying deep inside the Dark Imperium, Uh, the Sisters of Sacred Rose have basically remained this beacon of hope in the Dark Times, gathering people together and sort of taking select worlds and turning them into fortresses. Um, they execute anyone who expresses doubt in the security of the Imperium and commandeer entire regiments of the Asher Militarum. Uh, you, you know, any soldiers that show mutation from the Rift's effect are expunged. Their faith is made firm, um... They're really shoring up certain places in the Dark Imperium. It's pretty good. Mm. Um, yeah, and they also have miraculously appeared across the entirety of the Dark Imperium. Not, No one really wants to ask how they were able to hear their calls for reinforcement or how they managed <laughs> to get there, but if they do ask, the sisters tell them that Arabella always provides guidance, even when the Emperor's will is not clear. Nice. Um, so there's, there's probably some some nonsense... <laughs> <laughs>
0: cool right well that's the major orders so i'll just mm-hmm. very quickly cover the orders Minor Minoris, orders. which are the yeah. uh, the smaller ones so we've got the order of the glowing chalice so they use their name in probably literal terms so they use mm. the what the actual dawn of terror the terror dawn uh, to attack whilst it rises on the horizon which is mm-hmm. quite Quite an interesting one, you've got to time that <laughs> particularly. Yeah, they're basically so random. Mm-hmm. They basically use the the light of soul. Uh, sorry, the light they try to use the light of soul, but obviously it may be far away because they could be fighting, mm. you know, uh, far away. Um, but th- this way, it belie- they believe the emperor's light is upon them. Uh, you've got the order of the thorn, so they mm-hmm. they, they they they're basically the butcher order, they use tactics very similar to the order of the bloody rose to basically cut their way to victory or die and become martyrs uh, as part of that. Mm-hmm. Um Basically they're recreating the last scene of St. Mina, uh, I. Mm-hmm. IE like a whirlwind of death. So they've got um, as part of that, they've got pale armor covered in blood. Um, well, basically with the blood of the enemy uh, on their skin when laid to rest, you know, they don't clean them up mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. Just to yeah. symbolize that. Uh, you got the Order of the Iron Veil. Uh, this is a sort of, they've got, they got a very spiritual and mentally tough order, mm-hmm. uh, and basically used to perform surgical strikes on basically um, psychically warped places. Uh, they used to be the uh, preceptory of the uh, Argent Shroud, um, which was lost during the Cerebite upright, uh, uprisings when they, basically, when the last prince was killed. Uh, they were found um, basically they had kept their world together and still sought out recruitment so like I said they they're very uh, a very tough order that one uh, you mm. got the order of the Ashen Shrine um, basically they have miracles wherever they go it sounds like a song miracles wherever mm. they go <laughs> uh, you know, you got like um, meteorite storms you've got machines blowing up at random uh, you know thing mm. that sort of thing um, basically they're, a, they're a, a, sp- a sort of a split off from the sacred rose and uh, mm. And in turn worship uh, St Arabella uh, obviously Basically, using flamers, believing it is the mm. word of the emperor. That's a very, yeah. you know, very toasty mm. way to do that. Uh, you got the order of the wounded heart. Uh, basically, these were split from the valorous heart. Uh, use, uh, basically, they use only a single verse, uh, from the passion of Saint Lucia, which is verse specifically verse far, uh, 482, where the saint's mm-hmm. right hand was flint, fled- was basically flayed. Um, so yeah. they do the same by stripping flesh. Uh, from their hand to remind them of their saint when they're pulling the trigger i remember reading Jeez. that before when this code yeah. first came out that was just, yeah it was messed that's up nasty. <laughs> <laughs> it really is um and lastly you've got the uh, order of the golden light this is a smaller order uh but they you know incite a lot of passion in their wars they're basically descended from the martyred lady uh rumored that the whole order has been martyred twice in battle to appear elsewhere so Ooh. um and obviously because of that they've got no recruitment records in the data banks. so they're very very mysterious mm. uh oh that's that weird one. yeah yeah um so, but, but, it's, but there's some that don't yeah. fight
2: as well yeah it's not all about the orders militant sometimes you've got to have the non-militant orders uh so mm. these are those sisters who play roles not necessarily outside of the battlefield a lot of these guys uh gals i should say still end up in wars uh, but their main role is beyond the battlefield. So first off, we have the Order's dialogus, who are scholars and advisors, and expert translators of texts both human and Xenos, holy and blasphemous, spending years learning languages from esoteric scripts. Uh, Much of their study is devoted to basically collecting and updating ancient scriptures, giving accounts of the god-emperor before he was ascended upon the golden throne. Um, And yeah, basically they are historians to the nth degree. Uh, They are also used in cryptography. They uh, unlock obscure ciphers and find patterns in communiques as showing that the Adeptus Oritas and the Ecclesiarchy at large have vast access to intelligence on their enemies within the Imperium and beyond. Uh, They also provide services for the Inquisition, using their skills to interpret heretical meanings hidden in seemingly mundane texts and speech. Uh, In a war zone, they act as conduits through which canonesses can intone commands and prayers, ensuring that formations in isolation still remain in, in communication with the spiritual leadership of the group. Large contingents also remain on a world after the enemies being purged to aid the Ecclesiarchy as they scour the planet for traces of heresy. The Most seniors maintain the uh, members of the Order, maintain the ancient texts within the Vaults of Origin. Only the highest-ranking members of the Ecclesiarchy are allowed in here because it's rumoured that the heaviest of secrets regarding the events of the Age of Apostasy and Vandi's reign of blood are locked away within. Uh, then you have the Order's Famulus, who are a network of Chamberlains, advisors, and diplomats diplomats. Uh, Their duty is to guide the imperial noble families in working towards the ultimate good of mankind. Uh, They broker trade agreements, forge alliances between families, and arrange marriages to continue the lineage of the emperor's most loyal and useful subjects. Um, And essentially, when a planet system or subsector they're working in is brought under direct threat, the Sisters Famulus help coordinate the efforts of people they have oversight over, making sure that a noble household is everything they require to fight and die for the Imperium. <laughs> uh, they also keep an eye on these noble families, because this is the kind of place where chaos can take hold pretty easy. Uh, th- basically, because a Sister Famulus is a just a normal part of high society, uh, she can closely observe dealings with the most influential of people, from bureaucrats and tyrants to rogue traders and navis nobility dignitaries. Um, should they go against the in a storm in any way, she reports to her superiors, and this may result in stringent countermeasures. Uh, Confessors can be sent to extract admissions of heresy, but in extreme cases, the orders militant are alerted, and families who have held lofty positions have often just been burned out of existence (laughs) on the word of a single sister, Famulus. Uh, And this is crucial to shepherd the Imperium's faith towards the greater good. Um, they often speak of how the Emperor manifests his will through his subjects, pointing to the miracles performed by the Imperium's many saints. They actually have access to the genealogical records of uncounted millions of Imperial citizens, and actively encourage diplomatic and familial unions between the most faithful members of society. Their hand is often seen at work before, during, and after a manifestation of the Emperor's grace is recorded, um, implying that people who manifest miracles are perhaps being bred... (laughs) by the Sisters Famulus, which, mm. I mean, I, I mean, I guess if you see miracles as a psychic potential phenom- phenomenon, it makes sense that you could breed for, quote-unquote, a more holy person. Mm. That's true. That's yeah. Co- yeah, it's, it's interesting. Mm. Um, very importantly, we have the Orders Hospitaller, uh, who are the surgeons, physicians, and nurses to all arms of the Imperial military, Uh the Astra Militarum, and the Space Marines have their apothecaries and their combat medics, but Sisters Hospitaller deal even within those, although maybe not with Space Marines, but definitely within the Imperial Guard. Uh, you get your field medics, but any field hospital is probably going to have a Sister Hospitaller there somewhere. Uh, they exhibit their faith by operating under the most gruelling battlefield conditions, uh, performing these acts with solemnity and compassion, and... Everyone under their care tends to regard them as a holy figure, um, and many of them have been posthumously canonised as well. Um, they serve not just in the Militarum, but also on, under Inquisitors, as well as alongside the orders Militant of the Adeptus Orotus uh and they are deployed to war zones where basically the worst most unknown weapons are being brought to bear against imperial forces to not just heal people there but also to research the weapons of the enemy and how they work um yeah essentially they uh their sanctuaries have these massive libraries on different weapons that have been used against <laughs> battle sisters and you know things like studying weaponized plagues and working to prevent uh, to protect against psychic assault. Uh, they also work closely with the order famulus, mapping bloodlines to stem mute potential mutation in um, imperial noble families as well. So not only are they potentially breeding for miracle makers, they're also making sure no one gets too inbred. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, it's an important job. Someone's got to true, do true, true, yeah. Uh, and just as much as they study the effect of enemy weapons on human soldiers, uh, sisters from the order Hospitaller dedicate themselves to understanding the physiology of their enemies as well. Whenever a new Xenos species is encountered, a Hospitaller, uh, a, a Hospitaller will be working tirelessly to find weak points in their biology. Uh, ecclesiarchal confessors also rely on these sisters to preserve the lives of those who are being questioned for heresy. It's not uncommon for a sister hospitaler to reattach limbs or suture mortal wounds multiple times before a Confessor is able to extract the truth. Um, yeah, there's pretty grim. <laughs> there are also lots of other non-militant Orders. Um, in some cases, they're tasked with a very focused duty and given their own designation, such as the Order Fenestris, who maintain illuminated armor-glass windows in the most holy shrines and cathedrals. Uh, others have sort of vast influence within the god emperor's domain uh the order sabine uh basically explorers they accompany the missionarius galaxia to newly rediscovered human worlds and their speciality is finding regressed primitive human societies and priming them to be sort of brought back into the fold so they'll infiltrate this society start you know talking up the god emperor And, you know, set themselves up as a prophet, basically. And when the mission arrives at that planet, they're like, see, it's the will of the Emperor. They found you all the way out here. They're going to uplift (laughs) you and bring you into the fold. Um, Yeah. And the way they do this is they generally start coups against the local leadership. Mm. Like, it's it's not always peaceful. Sometimes, like, the God Emperor's forces have come, and so we must kill all the people in the government. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the Orders Pronatus study and retrieving, guarding, studying, and repairing artifacts of value to the ecclesiarchy, uh, including uncounted thousands of holy relics revered by people of the Imperium, as well as items captured that are considered too powerful to fall into enemy hands. Uh, they have the, also have the responsibility of maintaining and blessing the banners and symbols of the Orders Militant, and have even been called upon to reconsecrate the livery of other Imperial bodies. Uh, they repaired the chapter banner of the Lamenters after the Bad War and have restored many of the Cadian regimental standards that were recovered after the 13th Black Crusade, cleansing every fibre in holy oils and recording the name of martyrs in golden thread. So <laughs> there, there's a lot of sisters who do a lot of work. It's not all yeah. bolters and flamers and stuff. No, don't judge
0: yeah. them. they got, they got more than that. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: cool. Oh, um, right. Well, next would be the Wars of Faith, which is the hmm. you know the history you know the timeline. Um, I think, to be honest, because of, of time, we'll Let's just sort pick. of just... Yeah, is there any, any highlights in this one? Because, like I said... Um, oh, God,
2: i got to re- re-look through this really quick. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of
0: them. <laughs> well, I think, like I said, on on my half here, you. I mean, like I said, mm. most of it is obviously you know the end of the age of strife the great crusade the Mm. heresy etc etc and and obviously the bits we covered like the rise of vandir and the reign of blood Mm. um you got the legend of saint sabbat that's basically a region near the segmentum Mm. pacificus which was liberated from chaos by saint sabbat which obviously where they became known as the sabbat Worlds, which you may Mm. be familiar with um again sort of towards the later part of it you've got the the War of Piety, which is basically where Shrine World arrived after being disappeared for 200 years mm. in a warp storm, yeah. uh, which now <laughs> become a demon world. So you've got Canoness uh, Saraya of the Sacred Rose uh, leads the attack and basically gets the artifacts from the recre- mm-hmm. um, Require of uh, Hope uh, basically a squad go down under a labyrinth and they find, mm. it's really random. They find St. Dolan's left thigh bone and three <laughs> pages of the lexicon falsehoods. Uh, oh, and then basically okay. the, the survivors withdraw and then the gray knights turn up and torpedo, the mm. <laughs> torpedo mm. the, the whole planet. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, most of yeah. it is really from my side is just the, the, the orders mm. being set up, which we've already covered the daughters yeah. of the emperor we've already covered. So yeah. So any, any yeah. highlights
2: to your side? Um, well, let's see, this Keepers of the Faith, a refinery world called Vangor's Folly found a cache of ancient texts deep under the planet's crust, and so some sisters Dialogus came to study them, and the Promethean barons there began to speculate that they may constitute an account of the Emperor from the Great Crusade. After more than a decade, the Dialogus report their findings back to the Ecclesiarchy, and shortly after, the Order of the Ebb and Chalice appears, destroys all four of the planet's spaceports, Announces through orbital loud hailers, uh, c- announcing through an orbital loud Canoness Intolerance speaks, that's her name, Canoness Intolerance, <laughs> speaks a prayer of passing for the Promethean Barons in their surf, then enacts Terminatus. <laughs> That is
0: amazing.
2: <laughs> I know. God, just her name. Mm, beautiful. Um, <laughs> I love that. Oh, uh, it's so good. Um, and then there's also the Humble Saints. On North Prime, the Alpha Legion begin to enact a fell ritual. Uh, the Order of Our martyred Lady fight alongside the Iron Hands, but are unable to prevent the planet from becoming saturated with chaos energies. But amidst this catastrophe, there's a glimmer of hope. The Emperor's will is made manifest through the faithful inhabitants – many of whom gained the ability to project holy fire from their bodies. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's just Zinch, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Uh, um, and finally, the ecclesiastical missionary Dalamat de Montbard gathered a massive conclave of pious warriors and declared a war of faith and campaigned right into the middle of the psychiatric's maledictum. <laughs> Nothing more was heard from him until a decade later, when a coffin containing his body floated out of the other side of the Great Rift, and alongside his remains was a journal containing accounts of battles that spanned hundreds of years. Like, <laughs> he went in there, he went on a crusade for several centuries, and then his body just floated out ten years <laughs> later. <laughs> as, as you do, yeah. As you do. <laughs> The warp is weird. I love it. Um, Yeah. explains
0: many things.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. A lot of things. But, yeah. Cool. There's so much. There is. Um, Perhaps we should, like, stick to relatively new stuff in terms of the...
0: Yeah, because, obviously, we've got the... So, the rest of the the lore now is the Mm. actual units and and characters and such like. So, yeah, I think we'll sort of cherry pick either the prominent ones or some of the... Newer mm. one, so um, yeah. I mean, sh-
2: sh- shall I start off with Junith? Eru- Eru- yeah, you Eru- go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she is the canoness superior of our martyred lady, and she she's pretty cool. She's the one on the war pulpit. Um, you know, the one, um, <laughs> she hovers over the battlefield upon thrumming waves of holy energy. Uh, apparently, the heavy flamers aren't actually like directed by anyone, they just kind of swivel and burn the most heretical thing close by, Uh, and she's basically, no matter how beaten down the local forces are, her voice and her sermons reinvigorate Imperial forces anew, making them surge back into the fight. Uh, She has this absolute belief that leaps to everyone around her and sort of lights their souls aflame with passion. Uh, And from her first days, it was uh, remarked that she was Basically, she almost frighteningly faithful. Um, She was orphaned (laughs) during a massacre and scarred for life, but instead of being broken, focused that hatred and rage while cleaving to the absolute belief that the Emperor had a plan for her, which it seems pretty clear that he did, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And by the time she joined up with the Order of Our Martyred Lady, she was already sort of earmarked as a potential uh, future canoness. Um, in in particular, the canon, canoness superior at the time, Maria Sumnation, earmarked her for her as inspirational addresses, her intensity of face her intensity of faith, and her somewhat maniacal fondness for and prestigious skill with flamers. Um, <laughs> and basically she didn't disappoint. She went into the Retributor squads and became the linchpin of her squad and really ferocious ferocious with the heavy flamer, uh, eventually rising to the position of Celestian as one of their canoness superiors personal guards. Um, eventually they had been fighting the Iron Warriors on Holline's Hope, and had just secured the blaster shell of a basilica when a salvo of, of missiles crashed down and collapsed the roof. Hundreds of sisters died in the cave-in, and uh, Maria Sumnation, the former canoness superior, is one of them. Sister Eruita scaled the stair, leading to a miraculously untouched pulpit from which St. Holine had once preached, and as fire, shot, and shell rained around her, she delivered a blistering address to the surviving sisters and made them basically... inspired them onto a costly but decisive victory uh and then they took that pulpit and mounted it with a grav engine and she goes to war riding (laughs) it it's incredible she's pretty cool i'm a big fan
0: (laughs) awesome very awesome indeed um i'll do celestine because obviously Cool. It's very appropriate. Yeah. Oh, she's uh, a boy. For, Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Celestine, the embodiment of the Emperor's might, you know, providing faith with her wings, her halo, uh, her Argent blade, striking down the enemies, healing the sick, mm. or bringing down the fires of retribution. She, she does a lot. Um, yeah. As you'd imagine, and is a very common theme, little is known about her pre being the living saint that she now is. Uh, she was originally a, a sister repenture of the order of the martyred lady, um, but she fell against what was known as the Palantine Schism, or during that uh, particular mm. battle. Um, but rose, uh, you know, from the ashes after being cleaned up and led the vengeful counterattack, scouring everyone deemed unworthy. Uh, the leader at the time, which is Lord uh, Aggar, uh, believes that the the war's conclusion would be on what was known as the uh, the Palatine Sector Capital World. Um, but Celestine basically wanted to go to this particular backwater planet known as Sanctus Lint, or Lys, known to her as the Shrine of the Fiery Heart, um, which had been previously visited by St Catherine. Uh, obviously, he was a bit like, what are you doing? Um, why do you want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> um, but she did. Um, she uncovered the tomb and went by herself, uh, went down below and as mm-hmm. if by magic reappears in shining gold armor, cherubs and doves <laughs> blade in hand, you know, mm-hmm, as the, mm-hmm, she was transformed. Um, and she was then now declared as a living saint at this point. Um, and the hero martyr of the, uh, Palatine crusade. And she basically became the vanguard, you know, for many wars of mm. faith, inspiring faith and fear. Uh, the battle <laughs> sisters would go, you know, anywhere with her, as you'd imagine. Um, mm. And as we know, she's fought all over the Imperium, you know, dying and coming back to life with a Gemini uh, superior fighting mm-hmm. at her side, uh, which are basically her sort of cho- uh, chosen champions that actually inherit mm. part of her power as well. So, um, wow, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah is, you could say a Pretty lot cool. more about her. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, now we have the Triumph of St. Catherine speaking mm. of saints. Um, so this is a... This is a weaponized funerary procession. <laughs> um and it doesn't it is not specifically locked to the Order of Our Lady, Our Martyrd Lady because its presence embodies the spirits of all six matriarchs at the front lines. At the center of the triumph is a bier carrying the skeleton of Saint Catherine, her bones exhumed from the crypt in Sanctus Lis, that's where she was laid to rest apparently. Uh, are clad in shining reliquary armor with special holes cut so you can see her bones inside. <laughs> uh, but only the most pious of the Emperor's servants can look inside without feeling the flames of judgment on their soul. Um, but the true proof of her holiness is the sconce above her head where her still-beating heart <laughs> arrests. <laughs> so, like, they, they found her skeleton in the crypt with just the heart still untouched and unaged there, uh kind of creepy uh (laughs) the imperial eagle sits above it symbolizing the emperor watching over his fallen servant uh and this this um procession is made up by members of the order pronatus uh each sister was once an exemplar of their order handpicked to join the triumph so they essentially left one of the militant orders and moved into the order pronatus uh their job is not only to cleanse the bones and armors of Saint Catherine but also they each take on the role of one of the matriarchs that make up the procession uh, embodying that saint and taking her se- uh taking her strength into battle as well as one of her holy relics um the spirit of Saint Catherine walks at the front with the martyr's sword and the praesidium protectiva which is Catherine's shield uh the spirit of Saint Dominica holds a simulacrum of the urban chalice not the actual thing um This blackened goblet has a portion of the original's power. Uh, The spirit of Saint Silvana bears the simulacrum of the Argent Shroud, cut from the same cloth that was laid over the Matriarch's body, and as she reads the deeds of the saint, an image of her appears in the Shroud, revealing its miraculous nature. The spirit of St. Mina carries the petals of the Bloody Rose, these crimson rosebuds that are ritually scattered to symbolize the gore spilt by her before she was martyred. And the waft of the petals clears the minds of nearby sisters of all extraneous thought and sends them into a blissful rage. Mm. And with intoned prayers, the spirit of St. Arabella swings the censer of the sacred rose, inside which burns an eternal flame, signifying the unending drive and conviction of Arabella. Finally, the spirit of Saint Lucia holds aloft the icon of the valorous heart, which beats ever louder as the fires of war grow around it. The servants of the Imperium who hear it know in their soul that there's no opposition that the Emperor's glory cannot overcome. Uh, yeah, they weaponized a few they've weaponized a coffin <laughs> essentially. <laughs> well, I'm proud of wait.
1: them
0: it's not out of place with everything else we've discussed. No,
1: <laughs> no these. not at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I'll cover the Battle Sisters because, yeah. again, sort of have to really. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, right, so I'll we'll start with the uh, the Battle Sister squads. So obviously these are the vast majority of the, uh, the Order's mm-hmm. Militant the foot soldiers of the Emperor, the faith-driven sword and shield, however you want to describe them, Mm -hmm. where there are heretics, Xenos, mutants, etc. They are there, driving them back with their bolters, their faith, and the volume of their prayers under the light of the Emperor. Uh, So they start training as orphans under a strict regime of discipline and combat training, but to Mm -hmm. revere the God Emperor, obviously above all, uh, to fight and die for him until their last breath, no fear against what they may face. Um, I mean, they're a real sort of truly militant arm though uh, powerful mm. and training in various forms of combat tactics and and obviously you know psychological warfare to deal with obviously their the situation they mm. may face as well uh they come across almost as fearless as, as much as almost uh, those of the uh the space marines uh but obviously due to faith rather than Surgery, I suppose is the worst yes. way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, inspiring and, you know, obviously unfaltering in battle. Uh, they wear uh, blessed uh, power armor and use sanctified bolt guns. Uh, their armor is enclosed ceramite and plasteel plate to basically fully protect them, enhance their strength. Uh, mm. You know, with shells of bolters blasting through the armor and flesh of, you know, their uh, enemies. Uh, they're led by mm-hmm. Sister Superior uh, and sported with Dominion slash Retributor heavy weapons. Uh sister spirit obviously is the key to the squad you're basically using their experience and faith to drive the sisters to the maximum of their ability uh they generally will become on will go on to become a canoness uh basically using this role to sort of gain command experience um and obviously mm-hmm. they'll give battle sermons as well um
1: yeah
0: you've got the dominion squads these are the basically the swift strike to the battle sisters or steady march basically using the hatred of the enemy to storm into them with like short range melters and flamers and clearing out mm. you know, strategic positions. So they're quite aggressive, but also are quite tactical at the same time. So their superiors will sort of ch- will check the squad is, appra- you know, by praising the enemy and picking priority targets, you know, so obviously, so they use the right weapon for the mm. right job and make sure the machine spirits are, you know, firing on all cylinders. Uh, they're generally brought into battle via, transports to get as close as possible you know using vehicle vehicle weapons to clear the way so basically they can be sort of unleashed off that so they basically sweep in there where their weapons move on to let the battle sisters sort of secure the area behind them um so their tactics are based on what's called the undeniable world word uh which is basically was practiced by the daughters of the emperor to basically deliver righteousness wherever it was needed and shatter the faithless and clear grounds for the Emperor's light. Uh, And lastly, with them, you've got the Retribute squads. So it takes years to be part of a squad like this. They're basically the most sort of level-headed and determined of all the Mm. sisters uh, with the best Mm. sharpshooters to provide, obviously, fire support for their sisters. Uh, So they're very efficient soldiers using heavy bolters, flamers, multi-melters um and such like Um, and basically they provide suppressive fire while the other sisters advance sort of you know targeting tanks and monsters Mm. etc as well as bringing down fortifications um and but they'll happily advance forward if needed uh so the Mm. argent shroud are particularly known to basically bring them into close combat so i love that they sort of will Mm -hmm. will drive a load of rhinos in and go right okay (laughs) point point blank heavy bolt of fire please (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so that's the various uh battle sisters.
2: Excellent. Um, I'll do a quick look over Seraphim and Sephirim, cause Zephyrum are new and cool. Uh, mm-hmm. so Seraphim are sort of the elite of the elite of battle sisters, because you have to be able to aim and fire two pistols while operating a jump pack while getting into close combat and then doing it all over again every six seconds. Yeah. Um, and they use the Holy Trinity in pistol form, so they use bolt pistols, uh, hand flamers, and inferno pistols to represent the bolter, the flamer, and the melter gun. Uh, Seraphim superior are highly respected and are usually actual, like, uh, advisors in war councils and often go on to become canonesses themselves. Uh, they also get all the really nice stuff, uh, like golden-bladed power swords or plasma pistols <laughs> that were once wielded by a saint. Um Then we have the Zephyrim, which are basically the more close combat focused Seraphim, Uh, they use a lot of power swords, but only sisters who experience a direct and persistent connection to the God Emperor become Zephyrim. Overwhelmed by this constant communion, they often lose the ability to speak with other warriors from their order, speaking in unknown words and existing in a state of unwavering rapture. Most believe that they speak of holy prophecies that are only intelligible to those whose pure faith is able to decode the message. Uh, so essentially, they're a bunch of like they're speaking in tongues all the time, effectively. <laughs> uh, and so the sisters just gave them a jump pack, a power sword, and a bolt pistol, and said, "Go nuts!" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, I'll right, uh, I'll do the Celestine squads as well. Um, yeah, Celestine squads. Uh, so these are based the uh, basically these are the veteran elite. Bodyguards for the mm-hmm. basically for the leaders, so they're often sort of sacrifice themselves to protect mm-hmm. them, like their cannonets particularly, or use sort of bolters and flamers to to kill the enemy. Uh, and they form a real bond with the leader that they're basically protecting. um mm-hmm. Only the become only the best become one. So they're put into battle wherever needed, or you know, again, protecting the canoness, so they'll use varied weapons because a lot of mm. them are former Dominions or retributors. Uh but obviously, you know, faith trumps all, inspiring <laughs> the less experienced around them. Um mm. they're often generally user they're usually former sister superiors. Um yeah. so there's quite a, quite a common theme actually a lot of these sister units where they sort of they do that. I suppose like a bit like space Marines where they sort of do something mm. and they go, they will then later become realistically this. So obviously, you know, sister superiors uh, said I have a high chance mm. of being one of these squads. So often fight as a team. And obviously they've got their own superior, um, who then in turn will likely become a cannon ass. <laughs> so you can see, mm. you see this, yeah. this good career. As, you know, oh yeah. Aspirations it's going on path here. To promotion.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. um, and then pretty much everything is the the stuff they had before that everyone knows, except yeah. for one thing, mortifiers. Or yeah, those go be. for it. Uh, so you know penitent engines, you strap in the heretics and let them kill enemies for you. Uh, a mortifier is that, but it's made when a Repentia sister uh, flees from battle. Mm. Their sole duty was to atone for their failings in battle and instead they chose to run so there can be no forgiveness uh, and they are wired into mortifiers. Um, basically it's the same basic chassis as a pendant engine, but it contains additional things to torture the person strapped into it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. got neuroagonizer arrays and obloquial enhancers that it amplify the pilot's self-loathing. Uh, so not only does it hurt you, it also makes you depressed. Uh, mm. it's truly a cruel engine. Um, <laughs> Uh, and in particular, although, like, although the pilots of pendant engines are, like, shackled in place, uh, in a mortifier are bolted into place, unable to move or even scream with a baffle hood over their head, that prevents them from hearing holy sermons and any words of faith nearby, so they don't even get to listen to the word about how the Emperor might one day forgive them. (laughs) Uh, then they're put in the front line of battle, uh, and yeah, they're, they're messed up, they... They don't get anything out of tearing into heretics like a Repentia normally would. Um, basically, their only hope from release he- of release here is to find oblivion in death. Um, and nice. when they sustain an obscene amount of damage and the Sister Within knows that her end is at last approaching, the pain of knowing that she'll die unredeemed and unforgiven sends it into a tortured death row, a final whirlwind of destruction. <laughs> um, and if you're even worse than that, if you're a sister who didn't just flee, but also, uh, a Repentia who didn't just flee, but also betrayed the sisters in battle, uh, they put you in an anchorite, which is what a mortifier engine with an adamantine shell protecting the pilot so that they can't die as easily. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's messed up. It's oh, so Some grim. of that old time religion. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's pretty great. It really is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, yeah, um, yeah, I think that's what we've got sort of time for, really, because, as like I said, a lot yeah. of the rest is, you know what a rhino is. Um oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, like I said, it's, it's, it's nice, obviously, I mean, obviously the Sisters of Battle have been around for, obviously, a long time, but it's nice for them to sort of get a, a real nice refresh, obviously model-wise, but obviously, you know, lore-wise, and obviously clarifying their sort of history and the way they work. So, yeah, I mean, they. Mm. I, I said I think they're fantastic as a concept. They're really grim. Like I said they're not as you know the, their their whole sort of structure and the way they work Ooh. is not is you know yeah. is nasty oh, at rough. times but um <laughs> yeah I think they have their real place here in the the uh, the mm. 40k universe so no I think it's been really cool to talk about them so oh, yeah. um yeah so that's been Codex Adepta Sororitas um mm. right okay we'll wrap up now um Cameron where can people find you on the internet
2: Uh, You can find me on Twitter where I'm tweeting mostly about how my cat tries to steal my food um, and also how you should be making roast chicken with miso as part of the rub on it because, God, that was the best thing I've ever cooked, please. Good to (laughs) know. Cook good food, people. Um, You can also find me on Instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin um, where I post my personal hobby updates. Uh, I also post them on our podcast Twitter, but, you know, if you want to be sure to find it, Don't look on the Instagram because I occasionally forget that I have it. But it all it all gets there eventually. Yeah. (laughs) How about you? Uh,
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well at Ninja Badger Seven. Need to do more on there as always, but you know, time and Mm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, But hey, you know. But hey, you can find (laughs) our podcast on there at Realm and Ruin. That's where most of our stuff goes. So check Mm. us out on there if you already haven't. Uh, right, okay, We're well that's been episode 48, so we're closing on 50 soon, that's really Genius. exciting, really crazy yeah. as well, <laughs> um, and like I said, I think next episode we may be going a bit dinosaur crazy.
1: Oh, Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I uh, hope you've enjoyed this one, um, thank you very much for listening as always, and we'll check you out on the next one. Bye!
1: Bye now.